This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Choices are great. Like with your podcasts, you get to choose what you want to listen to. And State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. That's why the State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you get the coverage you want at an affordable price and a policy that helps cover what you value most. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com today to create your State Farm Personal Price Plan. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We'd never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thank you once again for joining me today. It's been, gosh, sheesh, about a month. Yeah, about one month. So it's not been two months. It's been one month since the last show. The once again Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots, which I was probably one of, one of like... I don't know, one out of every 20 people or something that was happy about it. I was happy they won. Um, I'm not sure anybody's really rejoicing over the L.A. Rams winning or losing one way or another. And they might lose a free agent or two, as we'll be talking about that a little bit in the second segment. Of course, apologize for the lateness of this show. I don't know, just been super busy, and then I, I'm going to do it, and then I just kind of get distracted and go on into something else. And so my apologies that this is kind of late, getting deep almost into free agency time, but it is what it is. March the 9th. I should have got this done a week ago or so. So, again, my apologies, but it is what it is. Piecing things together, uh, working late, and feeling weak in the mornings. Just, it is what it is. So, please bear with me. Please uh, please accept my apology. First segment will be the season wrap-up. Of course, we will put a purple bow on the 2018 season. And then, second segment, we will dive into some free agency conversation and a very brief draft, as the draft conversation will continue to get larger and larger and larger. Of course, there'll be the free agency show, which will delve a little bit deeper into the draft. It'll be strictly, it'll be mostly free agency, and then some more draft talk, and then there'll be the the now annual pre-draft show, as long as I'm allowed to do that, depending on work scheduling and everything, but should be able to get a draft preview in once again. That would be great, one way or another. We all know how there's rainy days in April, rainy days in March, rain, rainy days, this and that. So I'll very likely try to get a couple of shows out here in a row. Obviously, this is the big project I like to do every season. Segment number three will be the fan interaction segment. There will be a fan interaction section at the end of the uh, whole season wrap-up because of the awards and demerits for the Minnesota Vikings. I will read off the thread put on Facebook for that section to wrap up segment number one. And then the main rest of it will be segment number three with all the different discussions that took place. You know, more Gary uh, Kubiak conversation and Stefanski and 
Case Keenum going to the uh, Washington Redskins, which isn't uh, done yet, but more than likely it's it's a done deal. Well, it pretty much is. They've agreed and all that. Uh, Nick Foles, where's he going to go? Blah, blah, blah. Who knows? It's just conversation after conversation. And then at the very, very end of the show, which I hope most of you will be looking forward to, the stars of the year and four Hall of Fame inductees. I'm leaning towards four or five. There may be a fifth exception one because of longevity that's in that. Uh, some people get in from long, for longevity. Some people get in for just amazing uh, involvement, like with uh, obviously call-ins and Facebook, this and that. So, yes, there's some obvious ones and all that uh, combination of longevity and uh, you know and uh, involvement with the show. So can't thank you enough that I've done that over the course of time. Sorry for the babbling. I apologize. So we will get into the season wrap-up right now. Basically, we're going to put a bow on the whole season. And, of course, starting off with last spring, last free agency, there was all this excitement with the acquisition of Kirk Cousins and Sheldon Richardson. Remember, free agency a whole year ago about this time. And then <clears throat> all that, we're excited, blah, blah, blah. There's the OTAs. It's like, uh, yeah, well, now you know, we get the draft, and you end up taking Mike Hughes instead of James Daniels, which I would have probably preferred. But, okay, Mike Hughes looks like he might be something, and he ended up being pretty damn good until the freaking ACL injury, which made us all sick and depressed at the same time. Something that made everybody sick and depressed was the sudden death of Tony Soprano. Uh, Sperano. I just called him Soprano. Tony Sperano, um leading into the uh, season just a, like a week before training camp. It just hits you like a ton of bricks. It was just awful. Uh, offensive line coach, Minnesota Vikings, Tony Sperano. Oh, man. And, of course, the fact that, see, what, what drove me crazy about that, again, which if, if you want to listen to the, the episode back in the summer, was he went into the hospital for chest pains on Friday, you know, the day before, you know, just a couple of days before and was released and all that. They, they didn't, it's like, seriously, they didn't, like, make sure, they didn't check, they didn't consider this or that. Was it the patient's decision? I don't know, but... For somebody to go in for chest pains on Friday, and then released from the hospital, um, and then and then all of a sudden you and then you die of a heart attack two days later. It's just that one hit me really hard, and I, I couldn't believe it because it kind of hits home a bit. Let's just say my family has a history of high cholesterol, hereditary, and it's a scary place to be. Let's just let's just leave that as is. Um, so that was definitely heartbreaking, and it's like boy oh boy, mm, you know. You never want to start out a season with something as sad and depressing as that, and it can really affect uh, so many, so many lives. Obviously, it's so many uh, players' season and all that. Sudden change in the coaching staff, this and that. You have to shuffle people around, and it's not about football as much as about the guy's life. But just saying, it does affect. Yeah, obviously, obviously, you know, it's, it's not a good way to get things going. Obviously, Nick Easton, more more disappointment here. Obviously, not nearly as important, but still important for him as a as a player out for the season, requiring surgery, and he could not return with that uh, neck surgery. There, very frustrating with Nick Easton there out for the season. Um, Daniel Carlson struggled with kicks in the preseason. Remember, he was the uh, draft pick, the fifth round pick. Vikings traded up in the fifth round to get the vaunted leg of Daniel Carlson, who ended up being a pretty good kicker for the Raiders because he just needed to make a very minor adjustment with his uh, approach. Kind of like a bowler. You know, you just step, 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 or whatever. A certain amount of steps, certain amount of distance, blah, blah, blah. And then, boom. Okay, that was funny how that made that noise at the same time. But, yeah, 
that's all it was, and it's just like, really, Mike Prefer, so good riddance, and have a good time in Cleveland, the team that uh, double-faked here twice. Two faked field goals against Mike Prefer's uh, special teams. Pretty embarrassing by the Cleveland Browns a few years ago, back when the Vikings were just awful back in 2013. Which, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm surprised Prefer survived that season, frankly. <laughs> that was pretty bad. But um, whatever. Um, he did a good job as a interim head coach for a game, though, when uh, Mr. Uh, Zimmer was uh, dealing with the whole eye surgery situation back in 2016. But that was another snake bit awful season, just like this uh, 2018. It was a snake bit season filled with frustrations. You have something awful happen to Tony, Tony Sperano. Nick Easton's out for the year. It's like, boom, right away, you drafted one guy named Brian O'Neill, and, well, he ended up surprising everybody after a while, but you weren't going to just thrust him into the starting lineup to start off the season, and plus, no guards at all, and then Riley Reef, blah, 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 oft injured, and the whole gosh dang season, Riley Reef was, was hurt one way or another, he's playing through it, he's hurt too much to be playing, and he's out for this game, and then he's hurt too much, but he's playing anyway, and got annihilated by the Rams um, defensive line, Dominican Sue and such. It just drove you crazy. And it was actually more Darnold than Dominican Sue. Dominican Sue's on the inside. But still, when you have no guards at all, basically you're playing all these backup guards, you're, you're going to get schooled. Backup on one side and then freaking Mike Rimmer's playing out of position, a guy who probably got cost millions and millions of dollars by this coaching staff for moving him away from his rightful position. Um, and that was in 2017 when they did that. Uh, they had already just signed him, and then you move him to guard during the course of the season. I'm not sure what the hell was going on with all that. Um, he wasn't that great anyway. I thought the Vikings overpaid for Mike Remmers. So, unfortunately, he's probably on the way, on his way out, more than likely. Uh, Brian O'Neill ends up emerging and doing well. We appreciated that also very much, but it wasn't until much later in the season that the Vikings went that direction. But uh, such is such is life. Um, there was no Pat Alfline to start the season e- either because of his serious injury going back to the NFC title game against Philadelphia. Uh, he didn't play until week three versus Buffalo, and that game was a lot of fun. Fun game. Fun. So we'll look at the games a little bit here and there. An ugly win versus the San Francisco 49ers. You, you know, we barely won this game. The Vikings offense was just kind of... Mm, the defense wasn't that good either. Garoppolo had a couple moments. Kittle had a couple of huge plays on third and long. That ended up possibly costing the Minnesota Vikings a, a game. Uh, ended up possibly costing the Vikings the game. That uh, George Kittle and all that. Uh, fantastic tight end phenom for the San Francisco 49ers. Maybe somebody uh, similar type of player the Vikings might be looking at in the in the draft this year to add uh, some depth to the tight ends and everything and uh, some more uh, interesting uh, wrinkles to this offense, which could take place. Tight ends and running backs. You can expect that from Gary Kubiak working with uh, Mr. Kevin Stefanski. <clears throat> Ugly win versus San Francisco. You had the weirdest tie ever versus Green Bay. You're trailing by a good amount. Uh, Kirk Cousins is afraid to pass the ball, afraid to make plays, which ended up becoming, which ended up plaguing him later on in the season, becoming a bigger problem and further and further in. And the freaking uh, John Filippo acquisition, everybody was all excited about that as well. That was another big part of uh, you sign Kirk Cousins and you uh, bring John Filippo from Philadelphia, the quarterback's coach, the miracle worker with Nick Foles and all that. They won the Super Bowl for a reason because... It was uh, this quarterback coach. He, he he just said abracadabra with his magic wand and this beautiful top hat he was wearing, or he's carrying around, and 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 er, everything just kind of like worked out great. <laughs> it, it it yeah, <laughs> it just did right. But I don't know. 
Um, the offense had some moments in Green Bay. It was pretty, pretty damn good in the second half. Pretty freaking awesome. <sighs> Daniel Carlson again struggled like hell in the preseason. We're scared to death against Seattle. That was pretty good in the final game against Jacksonville. Okay. And Mike Zimmer, they asked him about Daniel Carlson. What did you tell him? And he said, I told him to make him. That's nice. Yeah, make him. Thanks. That's nice, Coach, uh, for words of encouragement. Make your kicks. That's 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 nice. Um, <laughs> kind of like when your supervisor or manager just says, make the numbers. Okay. Thanks. That's cute. Um, but, well, he did okay versus San Francisco. Not much pressure in that game. Minnesota was ahead most of the way, but... Again, not a very fun game to watch. It was actually kind of a crappy game, actually. That 49ers game was not that good. It, let's be honest. It wasn't that good. So the Vikings became a bit of a team of road warriors <clears throat> at the time. Not so good at, at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium for some strange reason. But beautiful comeback in the second half. Kirk Cousins to Adam Thielen ties the game up. Just a spectacular play. What an unbelievable play. Uh, Cousins to Thielen. Had us all excited. One of the most famous uh, play calls of the year with uh, Mr. Paul Allen and the uh, color commentator, of course, Mr. I'm just sitting here blanking. Pete Bursich, duh. Of course, it's Pete Bursich. It's like, it's, like, it's going to come in my head here. Yeah, duh, Pete Bursich. But, I mean, I generally watch TV, obviously, because I need to analyze the game. But, yeah. Pete Bursich, awesome. Of course, good, uh, strong conversation with him throughout (laughs) every game. Very good uh, commentary from him, former Vikings linebacker. It was a uh, very entertaining game. Daniel Carlson missed a kick earlier in the game, and it had us all kind of going, I don't know, I don't know about this guy. Uh." And then you have the opportunity in overtime to kick it to win the game after Green Bay fails to score. You have the opportunity to kick it to win. And then he misses. And then you stop Green Bay again. You get the interception on Aaron Rodgers. And then you're at the final moments of the clock. You make it. We win. You miss it. We tie. And Carlson missed again. And it was like, you know, like 29 yards out and he missed again. It was just sickening. Like you you could make it by sneezing on the ball practically. And Daniel Carlson couldn't have. I mean, it was just Blair Walsh all over again. It was a horrible kick, horrible miss. And he missed all three. And you kind of knew everybody was going to, you kind of knew, everybody knew that the guy was going to get cut. And that was just kind of all she wrote there. Daniel Carlson on his way out. Ultimately signs with the Raiders later on. <sighs> that was a really frustrating situation. Um, Adam Thielen was saying, I'm out there sacrificing my body to make big plays. And then basically, you know, and then this happens. All, all you do is wind up with a tie. I'm killing myself for this guy to go out there and miss three kicks. Uh, he makes one of them, we win the game, one way or another. The Vikings win the game, so extreme frustration. Sorry, a little tiny bit distracted. Gopher Hockey looking to wrap up their little weekend series with the Michigan Wolverines and to move into the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament. Got to win uh, <laughs> everything, though. You got to win the Big Ten tournament to even make the NCAA tournament. Um, horrible loss at home versus the Buffalo Bills. The Vikings fall behind 27 to zilch. 27 to 0. It just, you know, and it's just like, okay, it's official. You had the crappy, ugly game against San Francisco, but but we won it. And then you tie versus Green Bay. You just knew that was going to F everything up. And it, of, of course it did, because it's just a bullcrap blemish on your record for the rest of eternity. For the rest of eternity, 8-7-1, and one, that doesn't make any sense. Who's 8-7-1? and one? A team that doesn't know what the hell they're doing, that's that's what. 
And that's basically what took place here. Uh, and then you fall behind 27 to nothing. Oh, Pat, Pat Elfline's back, though, as a backup. He's signed this Brett Jones guy who got schooled by beyond belief against a decent Buffalo Bills defensive line. But really, before this game, Buffalo had been the worst team in the league. Okay, it was just two games, but it was still the worst team in the league. And then Josh Allen was kind of doing what he wanted, completing passes. But he also was making mistake after mistake after mistake, which you thought, okay, the Vikings are going to capitalize, right? And the Vikings didn't do jack bleep against this team offensively. Couldn't do jack bleep. And then the defense was sucking hard. And you couldn't do anything on offense. And the defense kept sucking. 27-0 at the half. And it was just, yeah, just sickening. It made you want to just weep. It it did. I mean, uh, it kind of... That's just kind of how it goes, you know? It's just one of those kind of crappy moments. I hated that game so much. I hated it so freaking much. Uh, Dan Bailey, Bailey made a couple of kicks, though. Your new Viking kicker. He made a couple of kicks, at least. So, all right. There you go. There's the positive. Dan Bailey. And I remember giving him the uh, Fran Tarkenton Award. His first game with Minnesota. Dan Bailey makes two kicks. <laughs> and then you got to see a much better game on Thursday. Four days rest, you go to Los Angeles. Beautiful night in September in Los Angeles in the Coliseum. Wow. And you got to see those retro uniforms in the city of L.A. Oh, my. That was beautiful. Beautiful to watch. Unfortunately, the Vikings defense was getting lit up, but the Vikings offense was lighting up a pretty damn good L.A. uh, defense as well. An L.A. defense that kept the New England Patriots at bay to a point that just about any other team would have beaten the Patriots in that situation. That's how good the Rams' defense was. It's just that the Patriots' defense was even better against a, well, ill-equipped uh, Jared Goff. He just wasn't ready for that game. He just wasn't. He just wasn't mentally ready for that game. And and uh, Bill Belichick took advantage. So that's about the summary of the Super Bowl in a couple of words there. Uh, beautiful game against L.A. Beautiful night. Vikings kept hanging in there, hanging in there. It looked like the Rams were going to pull away, and then the Vikings had a golden opportunity to tie the thing up, force it into overtime, and who knows what happens. At least you have Dan Bailey now instead of the other guy. And what if the Vikings win the toss with the way the Vikings' offense was clicking? You're in a third-down situation. Next thing you know, next thing you know, Kirk Cousins is uh, strip-sacked, and that's it. And it's just typical. And that's what happened throughout the game versus the Buffalo Bills. The interceptions, the strip-sacks, Total BS, total bullshit. That's basically what it was, and that's what that moment was. And Kirk Cousins threw his uh, offensive line under the bus saying, well, I only worry about what I can control. So you only worry about what you can control. And that's kind of the story behind Kirk Cousins. He tends to say some of the strangest things. And you know what? I don't blame him for being annoyed. I don't blame him for getting ticked off that you had a chance to win and your own line can't protect you ever. I get that. It's bullcrap too. But it's kind of bullcrap on your part that you can't freaking sense pressure and protect the gosh darn football. So, I mean, it, it sucks. It sucks. It sucks seeing the ball on the ground in moments like that. It just sucks. It also, at the end of the day, again, John Filippo. what more can you say? Um, it's potentially a sexy offense, a kick-ass offense. And then next thing you know, it's a suck-ass offense because it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Moments are that it worked. But then all of a sudden, when teams kind of figured out what to do and figured out the Vikings' approach, it just didn't work at all. Because the NFL is not for long for a reason. Anytime your offense has this or this or this in it, defenses adjust. NFL coaches are beyond smart. NFL players are smart. 
they figure things out. They figure out your schemes. They figure out your approach. They figure out your Randy ratio, which is the most genius thing ever. Like, um, transparency is cute and everything, but it doesn't always work. Sometimes it really doesn't at all. And uh, that's what took place there. Beautiful game against LA. It was fun, but the way it ended was like smash smash your TV with a freaking brick the size of yeah the back steps. I don't know. It was really annoying. That's just all there was to say about that. Philadelphia Eagles. You go into Philadelphia, still pissed off about this stupid game. You're annoyed at the Vikings defense though, because I mean San Francisco kind of had some big moments in the game. <clears throat> the Vikings couldn't stop anybody on third down. You end up giving up 29 points against Green Bay. Sure, it's Aaron Rodgers, but they're not as good. And Rodgers has not been as good of late. Last few years, 27 points against Buffalo. Now, your your offense didn't help either in that game, but still, 38, just lit up by the Rams. 500 yards. And then the defense starts looking like Mike Zimmer's defense again. Philadelphia scored 21 points in the game, but the defense was pretty good by, by Minnesota throughout this game. They made the big stops that they needed to. And the Vikings come out with a thrilling victory, 23-21. Nice old-school football game between the Vikings and Philadelphia Eagles. And you actually win on the road. And Now it's like, okay, Adam Thielen now has four games in a row with uh, over 100 yards. And Dan Bailey made three kicks, and uh, including a 52-yarder, which ended up being the game winner with, with uh, two minutes and 47 seconds left. Carson Wentz did get uh, Zach Ertz late, but Minnesota ends up burning the clock and surviving this one. 301 yards. Kirk Cousins was strong in this game. He didn't lose the ball in the game. He did have a fumble loss. Strip sack situation, and that got us all just furious because it's like the guy just doesn't protect the bleeping football. But you end up surviving. You end up surviving the game. Kirk Cousins is, is shows toughness, taking major hits, getting rid of the ball just in time before he gets hit really hard. And hitting Adam Thielen for some game, uh, some beautiful game playing uh, uh, touchdown down the stretch. Stefan Diggs as well, big plays, game breaking plays. Then ended up uh, sending the Vikings home with a victory, and you felt good. It was only our second win of the year, only one tie. I mean, one of those was a tie, two losses. So we're back to 500 after all that. You're back to 500 after week five, which is weird. Doesn't make sense mathematically, but when you have the tie in there, it makes sense, kind of. <clears throat> you beat Arizona in a game on October the 14th that basically Arizona was just a dead man walking. Uh, Josh Rosen's not ready for the NFL at this stage. You saw a little strength from that arm, but you also saw a guy who just, he's, he's not ready for the big time. Um, it was a fun little game for Minnesota. You end up winning 27-17. You go into New York Jets. I was afraid October the 21st. You got to see little flurries floating around, which kind of was an indicator of what type of winter it was going to be here in the northern half of the United States. Yeah, flurries floating around on October 21st. Kind of cool. It looked cool, but it's like, yeah, it was a hell of a winter, a hell of a late fall as well for all of us working outside at times during that uh, stage of the year. Those of us that work any type of lawn work at times in November, moving into that, it was a a hell of a time, but that was an indicator of what was to come. Um, You go from back uh, rookie quarterback to rookie quarterback, and eventually veteran again with uh, Drew Brees on the 28th. That game did what it did. Um, But through all this, Adam Thielen continues to get the 100, and it's pretty damn cool. You're five games in. uh, Thielen gets to six games in a row with over 100 yards, and it's like now he's in record territory here. Pretty damn amazing. Gets to number seven. 
the New York Jets game, very easy game. Ended up being a lot easier than I thought. Uh, Josh Darnold just turns the ball over too much. Three interceptions in the game, and the Vikings' defense made him look silly. Vikings' offense took advantage, along with, uh, again, the defense getting some points in the game as well. 37-17, fairly easy victory for Minnesota. 4-2-1, and and feeling very good at that time. Very good. You're on a three-game winning streak. You have a winning record. Everything's going to be fine. Well, maybe we'll finish like 10-5-1 or... Or, God forbid, 11-4-1. Wouldn't that be amazing? You just take care of the Saints at home, and away we go, heading into uh, heading into Halloween and ultimately November. And things were feeling pretty damn good. Vikings were driving the ball down the field. Vikings were hanging in there. You have a 13-7 to lead. You're driving down the field. The next thing you know, after Adam Thielen makes a big play, he fumbles the ball. He fumbles the ball. He still managed to get his 100 yards and everything, so seven games in a row. Yeah, eight games in a row, pardon me. But he fumbles the ball, and, and, and you're just stunned and depressed and saddened, and you just can't believe it. But it just kind of is what it is, isn't it? Um, you kind of knew it was coming one of these days. He barely got it, 103 yards, fumbles the ball, and the momentum changes completely, and New Orleans scores every point the rest of the way, pretty much. Minnesota finally scores late. After trailing, gosh, it's just sickening. After trailing 30-13, to 13, Minnesota finally scores another touchdown with about four and a half minutes remaining. There's a chip share and a chance, but very unlikely it would happen. Thielen did catch and hang on to the ball this time in the end zone. Uh, ultimately, though, Minnesota ends up still losing by 10, and St. Le- uh, New Orleans ended up getting the getting the 6-1 and one and moved on to have the best record in the NFC. Unfortunately, for their sake, the Rams would take care of business there. A little controversial call would uh, not go the Saints' way. Oh, darn. I think we're all feeling terrible for him. Super easy win the next week, 24-9 over the Detroit Red Wings. No, Detroit Lions. I like to mess around with that. Detroit Lions, um, I don't know. Obviously a team that doesn't have the right coach, obviously. Not really an interesting situation. Matthew Stafford, nothing even close to what he'd been just in the previous years. I do think letting Caldwell go was a mistake, obviously. Detroit is an offensive team with some de- uh, capable defenders. And then you hire a guy who's a defensive coach, which was a bend-but-don't-break defense. So I don't know if that should be your uh, head coach. I'm very confused by that. Vikings pretty much have a very easy time defeating the Detroit Lions at the end of the day, and it felt good for us. But unfortunately, Adam Thielen would wind up with only 22 yards because the Detroit Lions honored their guy, Kelvin Johnson, Megatron, who had uh, the NFL record eight consecutive games. And Adam Thielen tied uh, that guy with eight consecutive games. Week nine would not be a victory for Adam Thielen. He would have been the all-time NFL record holder for consecutive games with 100 yards. It was to start off a season six. So he tied that and beat that. And then the NFL record of games, period, in NFL history. History. Kelvin Johnson got it years ago in 2012 during a pretty solid season for the Detroit Lions. Eight games in a row, and Adam Thielen ends up tying it. So, okay, tie in Detroit honoring their guy, just like the Miami Dolphins honored their team from many years ago back in 72. They honored the 72 Dolphins, which were 14-0, not 16-0, until they won a couple of games and won the championship. But, um... <clears throat> That's what took place there. The Miami Dolphins often honor their club when there is a undefeated team looking to go undefeated. Unfortunately for the Dolphins, well, a regular season did go 16-0, but equally unfortunate for the Patriots. It didn't end well in the Super Bowl. As close as it freaking was. Oh, was it close? Mm. 
Chicago game, the score not anywhere near as close. <laughs> the score of the game not anywhere near as close as the score would indicate. The Bears pretty much dominated the Vikings off and on. Minnesota did manage to score 17 points in the fourth quarter and had us feeling nice, but at the end of the day, it didn't mean a whole lot. It was some nice plays, a golden opportunity, but all the Bears had to do was run the ball and run the clock out. Uh, Chicago Bears defense did a pretty good number on the Minnesota Vikings. I'm surprised we were able to score 20 points, but a very strong 17-point fourth quarter will do that. A couple of big plays to our credit, but to go down 22-6 to after the pick six by Kirk Cousins, that didn't help. Uh, they also converted a two-point conversion, did the Bears to go up by a crazy number there. So the Vikings, they basically were preventing the Vikings from uh, being able to take the lead with a two-point conversion. Strange strategy, but it worked, and good on them, good on the Bears, uh, tying it up with a regular touchdown anyway, is what I'm trying to say. But uh, it works, and the Bears, uh, unfortunately for them, well, they would only get to the first round this year. I can't believe it, but uh, very fortunate for the Bears at the end of the day. they Their defense was much better than the Vikings' offense down the stretch and ended up winning the game to try to continue to move a little quicker. Uh, Green Bay Packers come into U.S. Bank Stadium. The Minnesota wins in a game that felt easier than the score would indicate, 24-17. to 17. Green Bay Packers pretty much had given up on Coach McCarthy. Uh, the chemistry between him and his quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, not so good. So Minnesota still hanging on, still feeling good after a couple of losses to uh, Chicago and New Orleans. Then you get a win versus uh, the Packers. That felt nice. 6-4-1, still hanging on, still having fun, blah, blah, blah. 6-seed, 5th-seed, 4th-seed, whatever we're going to be in the playoffs. We're going to make it, but oh, maybe we'll see what happens. But we're going to make it, no problem. We just have to take care of New England, who's not doing so good this year. They're, they're done. They're old, they're done, it's over. He's 41 years old, that Tom Brady guy. And the Patriots schooled the Vikings like you wouldn't believe. It was uh, way too easy. December the 6th, a uh, second, pardon me, way too easy. Way, way too easy. Um, I don't know what to say. They just beat us. That's all. 24 to 10. Tom Brady ran for his 1,000th yard at age 41. <laughs> 41 years old. He finally got his 1,000th yard rushing in the NFL. And that was a fun little bit. And he did the little first down thing sitting on the ground there. I, uh, you know. And it was like, you know what? They look like a team that could win a Super Bowl. I was saying that. They like they look like they, they could win the, NFL, the AFC again. They might be able to beat the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and they had an epic battle with them, and they did beat them. It was at home, though, so yeah, they have to get the job done on the road if they're going to go to the Super Bowl. They'd only done it once, way back in the day, you know, 2001, when Tom Brady uh, was basically in his second year, and Drew Bledsoe had a, had a bleeding lung at the beginning of the year, took over, and things changed so dramatically after the Patriots started 0-2 that year. Tom Brady had to win... <clears throat> on the road in Pittsburgh against a ah, Cordell Stewart who just didn't know what he was doing. You know, as good as he was, he didn't know what he was doing. And uh, Bill Belichick's defense took advantage of a couple of interceptions that cost the Steelers in, uh, well, what would be Heinz Field there. Um, just didn't work out for the Pittsburgh Steelers that day. Uh, Patriots took advantage, blah, blah, blah. But um, nobody believed me when I said that. I was like, you know, this team actually looks like they might win something. And it's like, no, the Vikings offense just really sucks. And yes, and they did. The offense was horrible. Absolutely nothing. But this this day right here, December, it was literally, you just turn the calendar, it's December. And the New England Patriots in December is just, it's a totally different monster because they're gearing up for the playoffs and ultimately going back to a place they're extremely familiar with called 
the Super Bowl. It's this big game that everybody watches, and there's these big Roman numerals and everything, and it's like two weeks of media insanity and all that, and there's always some overrated halftime show with some extremely overrated pop star or or rap star or whatever the heck they are. I never watched because I don't like any of these people much anymore. It ain't 1988 anymore, unfortunately, so not a whole lot of good music out there anymore, in my opinion. Um, I'll move on, though. Uh, Patriots ended up getting the job done pretty easily in the game, and that's just all there is to it, and it got to a point where John DeFilippo is not the right offensive coordinator for this offense at all. I don't care how bad the O-line is, John DeFilippo is not the right guy, period. And everybody knew it. Coach Mike Zimmer, when asked in the press conference, do you think you ran the ball enough? And he said, no. And that's all there was to it, you know, in the Mike Zimmer fashion. Nope. So, what does that tell you? Well, it took one word to call out your offensive coordinator. Like, did he do do anything right today? Nope. Delvin Cook ran for 9.3 yards a carry in the game. He rushed the ball nine times. Nine times. Delvin Cook could have been pretty useful in this game. But, unfortunately, the... uh, uh, offensive coordinator, never ran the ball. Yes, the Vikings were behind you. They could have ran the ball a little bit more, especially when the pass wasn't working at all. We all know what happened. New England geared up. Their defense was spectacular the rest of the way. As bend but don't break it was before this game. This particular game, the Minnesota Vikings were the original victims of the Patriots in December this year, and they, it was literally the beginning of a championship team again. A team that nobody Nobody really, truly saw winning it because they weren't. I didn't see them winning it. I was like, no, nah, maybe, maybe we could finally end this, 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 you know, drought against Tom Brady. We never beat him, ever, ever beat him throughout all these years since '01 till today. Never beat Tom Brady. Let's get this done. And I, I couldn't believe how many people like were like, yeah, we're going to. I was like, well, let's get it done first. Until they do, I can't pick the Vikings to win the game. And. Nobody saw the Patriots doing what they were going to do after that. And it was literally that game was the jump board, the springboard to the Patriots' uh, sixth championship, which ties the Pittsburgh Steelers, of course. Let's go to the next week, which would be John D. Filippo's undoing. Complete utter garbage, December the uh, 10th, a uh, Monday night football game. The Emerald Curtain, I dubbed it the Emerald Curtain. Seattle would ultimately make the playoffs with this type of game, and they were wearing Emerald uniforms this game. Minnesota was in this game the entire way. Minnesota was leading... Well, uh, late in the fourth quarter, Minnesota Vikings defense was very strong, but the offense couldn't do jack. And the fourth quarter, things started going the way they did. It was a big freaking mess. Kirk Cousins, uh, fumble six. Justin Coleman took it all the way to make it 21 nothing. It was extremely frustrating. Minnesota did trail the whole game, but we had a chance. We were we were in it <clears throat> for so long until that fourth quarter. You're down 3 nothing. Your effing offense can't do effing you-know-what. And it was so bleeping frustrating. Until three minutes remaining, it was a six to nothing game. Your offense couldn't even get in the end zone. Once couldn't even get into freaking field goal range. Couldn't get anything going. Couldn't even cross the fifty half the time. Half the time, most of the time. Russell Wilson didn't do jack in this game. Seventy two yards. For the first time, Minnesota playing Seattle, Russell Wilson was completely completely contained. And you still couldn't get anything done. You still couldn't get any points on the board until it was too late. You're too bleeping late. You're too bleeping late. You're down by 21 points with a minute left, and then you finally get in. It's too bleeping late. And, oh, you're, you're, well, you passed the ball to Delvin Cook, which is okay. Ran the ball 13 times. Only 13 times in a game that like, like that. In a game like that, <clears throat> you only ran the ball 13 times. That makes sense. 
So, obviously, John Filippo was uh, given his walking papers. Delvin Cook was targeted seven times in the game, but it was very minimal. The blocking wasn't so good. The scheme wasn't good. It just was crap. Um, luckily, the Vikings, uh, well, Diggs and Thielen had good games. Thielen did not get 100 yards, but still good games. But um, Thielen got pissed off down the stretch after the 30, 35-yard gain. He yelled out, this was their whole bleeping game, and it was, like, too late, basically. Too bleeping late, and Vikings end up losing. So, I don't know. Next thing you know, John DeFilippo is fired. Kevin Stefanski takes over, looking for some balance, and the balance is what the Vikings got, but they also got an opponent that, uh, despite being very much in the hunt still in the AFC, had completely quit. I don't know what it was, but the Dolphins completely quit. Vikings were on a sugar high with a uh, you know more balanced offensive approach. It was a lot of fun. Delvin Cook ran to the races. He ran about 22 miles an hour into the end zone. It was Delvin Cook's finest game as a pro against the worst rush defense in the NFL, let's be fair. But he ran, um, there was a moment where he ran 22 miles an hour, which was one of his long runs there into the end zone. It was beautiful. Um, made us all feel really good about him. And uh, wow, that was awesome. A uh, couple of big moments for him in the game. I can't even believe it, 22 miles an hour. Whew, that's a lot of speed, but uh, great game for Delvin Cook. Frank Gore would be injured in the game, unfortunately, the future Hall of Famer. Fourth all-time in NFL rushing, or is it fifth? Uh, pretty damn amazing. Uh, him, yeah, but I think he's just behind, I forget if he passed him or not, but he's just hanging around there with uh, Curtis Martin. Similar to Curtis Martin, how both of them hung around for so long, and they get up there in the top five all-time. Frank Gore, future Hall of Fame running back. Awesome career. Very sad to see him get hurt, and a guy named Kalen Bellage did a hell of a job, actually, including a 75-yard gain down the stretch for him. But um, awesome game from Delvin Cook. You saw a balanced offense, and this game was too easy. The Dolphins had basically given up on the season, and uh, that's just all she wrote there. Fun game, Dolphins and Vikes. Dolphins and Vikes. Detroit, Detroit football, not basketball. Sunday, December the 23rd, Merry Christmas, Minnesota. You get to play Detroit again. Vikings almost never play well in Detroit, but, well, two years ago, the Vikings had a 13-3 and uh, football team. You got the job done on Thanksgiving Day in Detroit. That was freaking awesome. You frustrated Matthew Stafford into some uh, odd throws that just, they just didn't work out. Vikings were able to stop Detroit on third down like nobody's business. It was just beautiful, and, uh, boy, that was a beautiful day. And then this one, well, again, just Patricia and this Detroit team, it's just, it's not a match. It's a, it's a team with some talented offensive players, some okay defensive players. Schwartz was a better defensive coach, head coach, than this son of a gun, I think. I mean, they'd be better off with Jim Schwartz again, quite frankly, because obviously he's a defensive coach that knows what he's doing. Um, very, uh, very good defensive schemes and approach, very aggressive. Um, and then... Uh, Patricia, I don't know, man. Matt Patricia, mm, I don't know. Uh, Kyle Rudolph was spectacular. He got a he got a rare uh, Fran Tarkenton award in this one. 122 yards, two touchdowns. What a game for him. Kirk Cousins very accurate and uh, enjoyed himself out there. Balanced offense looks better. Kirk Cousins only sacked twice. Blah blah blah. Delvin Cook 73 yards, 16 rushes. So it's like you just continue to feel strong and happy about this one. A balanced offense. You're throwing to your tight end. You're handing the ball off, and your receivers are you know having a good game. So that's balance. That's what balance is all about. But unfortunately, after a couple of uh, games against Miami and Detroit, now you get to play the Chicago Bears because, well, you've dug yourself enough of a hole with the two games in New England and Seattle where you just laid, laid an egg in both of those games. 
just awful. Uh, losing to Chicago at Chicago, fumbling away a game against New Orleans, and just all these other freaking losses. Losing by basically 27 points versus Buffalo, that's why you're in this hole. You you earned it, and you made this bed. You have to sleep in it, and that's basically what took place. Then you play the Bears. It's a home game. Okay, the fans are going to be behind this team. Yeah, we were behind the team for a couple of minutes, and then the Bears' defense was just that good, and they just frustrated the Vikings out of control. I mean, they frustrated the Vikings into submission in this one. Couldn't do jack. The Vikings couldn't get a first down for their life in this game. It was just devastating. I'm surprised the Vikings scored 10 points, and I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm not trying to make a mockery of this team and kick them into the ground and kick them while they're down. But the Vikings couldn't get anything against this Bears defense. I mean, it was just garbage. So you felt good about the balance, but it was too little too late. The damage had been done. If you're going to make a change at your bleeping coordinator, you had you should have done it back in, I don't know, you should have done it after the freaking Saints game or something. I, I don't know. Maybe. Or you should never have hired the clown and promoted Kevin Stefanski, which was Kevin Stefanski finished second place in that uh, interview period for offensive coordinator. He should have just hired Stefanski in the first place. Oh, it's a cheap in-team hire. Oh, yeah, but he would have been the better choice, though. John, you could have had John D. Filippo. Yeah, you probably would have looked at that guy going to Jacksonville or something. He would have fallen on his face just like he did here. And you would have just said, well, okay, well, he's in Jacksonville now. And he's going to get either Teddy Bridgewater or Nick Foles to work with. And I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with John D. Filippo. He's going to have to humble himself a little bit because... When you're not even listening, you're, you're Tom Thibodeau-like about uh, advice and this and that and suggestions. Not even advice. It's not like, you know, John, I'm going to give you some advice. No, it's not. There's nobody arrogantly coming up to him like that. It's, uh, can I suggest something? And it's like, nope, nope, I got it. And when you, want, when, you, when you have that approach and you're not succeeding, it doesn't look good. <clears throat> but um, Kevin Stefanski, yeah, Vikings... Uh, this was just too little, too late. This Vikings team, the momentum wasn't there. The protection wasn't there for Kirk Cousins. They weren't giving him any time. The chemistry between him and Adam Thielen definitely, uh, well, let's just say tempers flared for a couple of minutes there on the sidelines or, or for a moment, about one minute. And uh, luckily it subsided, but I don't know. Did it subside by force or was it just a quick little thing? That's up to them, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> Kirk Cousins has thrown a lot of people under the bus there, uh, during the course of the season and in his days in Washington on occasion too. It's not like he's openly, harshly throwing people under the bus. It's these subtle little jabs, you know? Like, if I worry about what I can con- control and this and that. So that's not always something that sits well in the locker room because <clears throat> nobody misses it. As subtle as it is, nobody misses it. <laughs> so welcome to reality there. 8-7-1. Uh, <clears throat> Minnesota misses the playoffs in very harsh fashion, getting smashed by a 12-4 and Bears team that couldn't get past the bleeping Eagles the next week. So a lot of Viking fans were chuckling about that. But yeah, it's the bleeping Eagles, though. I mean, I don't know. I wanted the Bears to win that game. I'd rather the Bears win, as annoying and frustrating as they were to play against. I'd rather they win. I would have rather they beat the freaking Saints, too. But um, nice to see the Rams get an opportunity. Unfortunately for them, though, they couldn't do anything against Bill Belichick in the Super Duper Bowl. So it's time for the awards, demerits, and all that as best possible. And as only I can do it, because just, I'm just such a unique talent, only I can do it. No, anybody can do it. But uh, very, not many people want to do podcasting and all that. Not many people really have the presence to do podcasting either, but that's up to you. Ah, 
Mr. Paul Caniff got his uh, PlayStation, what do they call that thing? PlayStation Mini. Cool. Congratulations, Mr. Paul Caniff. He is back in Minnesota again, by the way. And just for a little minor irony here, Paul left the Twin Cities. Paul Tuniverse Caniff, one of my closest friends, left the Twin Cities in December 2013. Vikings were finishing up a horrible season where they missed the playoffs, but we beat the crap out of the Bears. Me and Paul watched that game. It was the day he left, basically. That night he left for Seattle. Um, did Paul Caniff. Vikings beat up on the Bears. And it was like, it was the last game ever in the Metrodome. Ever, 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 ever. It was the last head coaching game of uh, Mr. Uh, Leslie Frazier. And it was Paul's last day in Minnesota as a Minnesota, you know, born born Minnesota and Minnesota resident. But now he's moved back. So very cool. Uh, it's just ironic how the Bears came to, uh, <laughs> came to U.S. Bank Stadium, and the Vikings' season ended that day. This time a loss to the Bears, but it ended hosting the Bears, and now he's back again, so pretty cool. We'll be watching many a Viking game again on these Sunday afternoons coming up, hopefully, like we did in the past. Uh, cool. So thought I'd throw that in before I get into the uh, kind of uh, awards and demerits and a little fan interaction when it comes to the awards and demerits, because all of you deserve uh, your shot at... Uh, what you have to say. Your opinions are, are requested. Your opinions are wanted. Your opinions are needed on this show. I'm trying to scroll down a bit so I can ever get this to load, but I don't think it will. Um, there it is. Okay. All right. Good. At least it's a little more active than it's been in, in some certain years. Some years you guys post like crazy and it's awesome. Other years it's all quiet. I don't know. It's so random. <sighs> so the most valuable player for the Minnesota Vikings there are six finalists at the end of the day. Six finalists. So the fifth runner-up is going to go to Kirk Cousins. Obviously, nice numbers, over 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, only 10 interceptions. But the fumbling, the throwing guys under the bus, the inability to sense pressure is what kept uh, kept him down uh, basically sixth place, the fifth runner-up. Kirk Cousins still, though, deserved at least recognition because he did have a pretty good season statistically. Though those the other that might be like, oh, wow, how, how can you guys complain about it? I mean, look at that. 4,300 yards and 30 touchdowns, only 10 interceptions. That's Brett Favre almost. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's not Brett Favre. He's not Brett Favre. I'm sorry, he's not. Uh, fourth runner-up will go to Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs is the fourth runner-up for most valuable player for the Minnesota Vikings. Very strong season, but again, missed a couple games, this and that, and some inconsistency. Obviously, he's one of the best players in the Minnesota Vikings. He put up some unbelievable statistics. Uh, he is in the top 95%. Uh, he's in the 95 percentile, so to speak, in what he can do in the NFL, according to analytics and such, what he can do in big plays against man defense, so to speak. He is in that very, very rarefied air that almost nobody is in. He is that good. He is, you know how you're like in the top whatever percent, like on uh, Samsung Health. These are NFL receivers Stefan Diggs is going up against. NFL receivers, and he is in that top percentile, which is pretty damn unbelievable when you think about it in the uh, uh, man on defense. So Stefan Diggs, obviously a spectacular player. But, of course, the number is lacking on occasion because he, well, sometimes he has to be a decoy and that helps Thielen get open. And sometimes Thielen's a decoy and Diggs gets open. And sometimes the offense just sucked so bad against teams like Chicago and Seattle and, and New England that, well, nobody got numbers in those games. It doesn't matter who it is. So you're just hoping and praying your defense can create a turnover that makes a spectacular play and helps you win the game in situations like that. Or you just get damn lucky. Maybe special teams comes through. Third runner-up 
is Mr. Linval Joseph. He finishes fourth after the MVP season last year. Spectacular year last year. Spectacular year this year. The guy is the best defensive lineman on the Minnesota Vikings in terms of the interior, we'll say. A spectacular player, though. Definitely uh, the best run stopper in the, uh, on the Vikings. A, uh, I think the guy's a future Hall of Famer as far as I'm concerned. He is just unbelievable. He can stop anything. He can stop anybody. Even if he's hurt, you you, you wouldn't even notice the guy's hurt. That's how good Linval Joseph is. Obviously, as good of a run stopper as there is, but he can also make some big plays affecting the passing game as well. But uh, the guy just, uh, he's as valuable as it gets at those third downs and such, third and short. Uh, Harrison Smith, second runner-up. Obviously, didn't start out the season well. And then all of a sudden, boom, he was spectacular starting with uh, Philadelphia and pretty much uh, on forward. Harrison Smith is also, I think, a future Hall of Famer, a spectacular player, wonderful, wonderful member of this Vikings team that I hope plays here until he retires. And uh, number 22 will be in the ring of honor for the rest of eternity. Uh, the guy just absolutely is brought to Minnesota. A, uh, he is absolutely part of purple lore, that purple people eater lore as far as I'm concerned, even though it's a, he doesn't play on the defensive line. Linval Joseph has definitely got purple people or all over him as well, along with someone else coming up soon, which I'm guessing a lot of you have an idea who that might be because his name hasn't been mentioned yet. Number two. Well, we're down to two people here. Two candidates. I'll mention them here. Two people. Well, I better mention them since it's kind of like the old... Uh, <laughs> it's down to the old... Uh, like a pageant or something, you know, first runner-up and then the, the Mr. This or Miss That. Your two finalists, defensive end Daniel Hunter and wide receiver Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen, amazing season, this and that, 100 yards, this and that, 100-yard record type of year, record-breaking type of season. Daniel Hunter, unbelievable throughout the entire season as well, racking up the sack totals like you wouldn't believe, and it has been an amazing run for both of these players. But at the end of the day, only one can be the 2018 Minnesota Vikings most valuable player at the end of the day. Your first runner-up is out of Detroit Lakes wide receiver Adam Thielen is your first runner-up. That means Daniil Hunter will get his second (laughs) Purple Mafia Minnesota Vikings MVP. This one, of course, for 2018 as Daniil Hunter did get it a couple years ago. 14 and a half sacks on the season. Daniel Hunter was absolutely spectacular time and time again. He made the big, big plays in the big, big moments, and he kept the Vikings in so many games. Adam Thielen had such a record-breaking start to the season. He had that MVP award basically written already. It was already written, but if things got so quiet after that, and teams geared up on him, and this and that, and I know part of it's on Cousins, part of it's on Filippo, part of it's on the uh, offensive line protection Part of it's maybe he didn't get 10 touchdowns, but both Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs were absolutely spectacular. Uh, Stefan Diggs only did miss one game, but he played hurt so many times, so that definitely kept him out of the uh, out of the uh, top, top of the top there. Um, that big fumble also hurt things along the way. Adam Thielen, though, nine touchdowns, 1,373 yards, 113 catches. Regardless, MVP or first runner-up, Adam Thielen gets a very long ovation eight consecutive 100-yard games. Most seasons, a guy like that would get the MVP going forward, but things got so quiet for him down the stretch, and that was unfortunate, especially in games you needed him. I'm not blaming him for anything, necessarily, but again, it would have been nice. It would have been nice. You know, It's just the way it is. To me, Daniil Hunter was just a little bit better. He was just a little bit more consistent, a little more spectacular. 14 and a half sacks, 
felt like he had like 20 and a half sacks. That's how good Daniel Hunter was. A defensive line that didn't get a whole ton of sacks this year. Everson Griffin, of course, missed a ton of time with uh, mental health issues and such. That was unfortunate. Um, but you saw other players, uh, Sheldon Richardson, what a factor he was. He'll definitely be a major conversation going into free agency along with Anthony Barr. At least one of those two guys will be gone, if not both. Um, Vikings obviously will be making a difference here when it comes to a salary cap situation. A couple guys will be gone if the Vikings intend to make a move to shore up the offensive line, sign a third receiver, sign a safety, whatever the heck it is. But, uh, boy, what an amazing season for Daniel Hunter, your 2018 Most Valuable Player for the Minnesota Vikings. I'm sure a number of you will agree with that. Biggest surprise is going to go to three. Well, there's three different candidates here. I'm just going to name them all one by one in their position. The uh, second runner-up will go to Holton Hill. Second runner-up will go to Holton Hill, who had to fill in in Mike Hughes' injury. What an amazing acquisition he was. Free agent acquisition. Uh, you know, he came in in the, in the preseason, made the team... A lot of people thought he was going to make the team, but maybe not this and that. He made it. And then when he was thrust into full-time duty with the injury to uh, the unfortunate injury to Mike Hughes, Holton Hill, and of course the uh, retirement of the great veteran Terrence Newman. Obviously spectacular. Ended up going into the coaching staff to help out with the defensive backs, but we'll have to wait and see where things go now as he may move on, unfortunately. Terrence Newman, we'll see what happens. But again, the uh, sudden retirement with him, obviously he was at the end anyway. He was 40 years old, so you figured his role would be very diminished. But Holden Hill, to move in and do the great job he did, was a very, very, very admirable job by Holden Hill. He held his own against some pretty good offenses down the stretch, and he played all 16 games and stayed healthy, added a couple sacks. Awesome year. Uh, McKenzie Alexander, a guy who would would be blitzed. I mean, in, in schemes, he would blitz the quarterback. He wound up with four sacks. McKenzie Alexander going from a guy who people thought might got might have gotten cut. People had a feeling he might have gotten cut this year or at the end of this season, maybe off season. Blah blah blah. He gets cut before training camp, going into next year or during training camp or even this training camp. People thought McKenzie Alexander was going to be a big bust, second round pick. I was pumped about his draft pick, his draft choice a couple years back coming out of Clemson. What a wonderful player he was in college. Didn't get interceptions there, but still made the big plays, stopping running backs and all that, which he did this year, jamming the run time and time again. What an amazing season for McKenzie Alexander. He is the first runner-up for the biggest surprise and major, major mention here. Again, those little blitzes he would do were spectacular. He would get to the quarterback. He wound up with four sacks this season because of that. McKenzie Alexander, well-deserving of a starting role with the Minnesota Vikings going forward as a slot corner. What an awesome job he did. I mean, McKenzie Alexander, amazing season. At the end of the day, your biggest surprise will be Brian Hill. Uh, Brian O'Neill, pardon me. Brian Hill, Brian O'Neill. What an amazing, amazing season for him out of Pittsburgh. Um, again, thrust into the starting lineup because of injuries. Uh, guys getting hurt and this and that. And there's just not much you can do. I mean, there is just... There, some sometimes it's like as Jerry Burns once said, "Well, what the hell can you do?" And that's basically what took place. Uh, Rashad Hill getting hurt, missing time, and this and that. He was oft injured. He wasn't that good anyway. And and Mike Remmers, you weren't going to move him back there. And nobody was that good. Tom Compton as a guard wasn't good. Blah blah blah. And then Brian Hill ends up going into the right tackle position with the injury to Rashad Hill. A lot of people thought, okay, you know, he's this really talented guy who was like a tight end at one point. 
and put on a ton of, you know, put on a lot of muscle and became an offensive lineman. He played left tackle for Pittsburgh in his senior season. Did a hell of a job. Did a hell of a job. Um, and hung in there. A bit of a reach, possibly, in the second round, but you had to take somebody because all the other linemen, linemen after lineman, guard after tackle after guard after tackle were scooped up in those round, in the second round there. You couldn't believe it. I mean, years ago, Brian O'Neill might have slipped to the fourth round, just, just the year before, possibly, because the Vikings took Pat Elfline in the third round. So, I mean, you figure Brian O'Neill got all the talent in the world, but was underdeveloped. He was undersized for his position. He needed to put on some more muscle, put on get stronger and stronger and stronger. Again, he was a tight end, a hell of a player, played basketball, played tight end, all that good stuff. It's all the same uh, cliches there with that position and all that. Um, hell of an athlete. Goes in there, and he was just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, he wasn't a spectacular Pro Bowl type of tackle, but he held his own well. He just, he put it, I mean, his analytics were pretty high for, for his position. He did a hell of a job. He didn't make anybody look bad. He held his own in a lot of ways. You, you could argue he was the best offensive lineman on, on the Vikings this year uh, in the second half of the season. Brian O'Neill, absolutely the biggest surprise. Even though, again, you know the talent's there. We just didn't realize he would be able to apply that talent now. And he did. So very, very nicely done by Brian O'Neill in the second half of this season. And really, in the second to th- uh, the, the second and third uh, segment of the season. Awesome job by Brian O'Neill at the end of the day. And now the demerits. The biggest disappointment of the year. Number four, the third runner-up. Zimmer's defense in the first four games of the season. What the hell was that crap? I mean, they just got obliterated. They got torched. And it Set the Vikings back. It really did. I mean, 29 points against the Packers team that was basically like, you know, parting like the Red Sea. Things weren't going well. Uh, second runner-up, Daniel Carlson, was just terrible. You got all this excitement about his leg and everything. Of course, it was a it was a draft pick that shouldn't have been done in the first place. But again, he, he, he hurt the Vikings. Having that weird tie on the record cost the Vikings a playoff position. It cost the Vikings a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, and it really set things in motion in a negative way. You tie against Green Bay when you should have won. I got to think that hurt the chemistry in the locker room. And plus, I think Mike Zimmer's treatment of Daniel Carlson as well, not so good either. Mike Zimmer sometimes is a little bit too much of a hard ass. He's too much of a, you know, old, he's just a little bit too old school that way. And we're just going to have to wait and see where things go. But um, Mike Zimmer's defense the first four games was freaking awful, and it didn't help. It really didn't. Um, so that's all there is to say there. Second... Overall, first runner-up goes to Riley Reef. What an awful season he had at the end of the day. Um, he was terribly disappointing. From a year ago, when he was basically a Pro Bowl left tackle for Minnesota, you felt so good. Like, there you go. There's your left tackle for at least a little while. He's not like a 15-year solution, but maybe a five-year solution. And it looks like maybe it's just a one-year rental. And the second year, it's like, okay, yeah, this isn't so good. Oft injured, the foot injury, this and that. And yes, he got hurt, but it's still disappointing. He was still disappointing regardless at the end of the day, and that did not help the Vikings cause going into the season. Again, it's not all his fault, and that's why he's not the biggest disappointment. It's not all his fault that, well, you had no left guard at all. You didn't prepare for it, and then frickin' Nick Easton's out for the season. <clears throat> Pat Offline wasn't ready to start until week three, and he barely played in that game, and he wasn't good yet at all. <clears throat> so a very, very tough situation. Your right guard wasn't good because he's playing out of position anyway in Mike Rammers. And you got saved, luckily, by Brian O'Neill in the later stretches. Because Rashad Hill is not a right tackle in the NFL for a long period of time. He's a backup right tackle in the NFL. A backup right tackle. He's okay. 
He's an okay player, but he's not good enough to be a full-time starter in the National Football League. Biggest disappointment overall, in my humble opinion, was not Kirk Cousins. It was the combination of Kirk Cousins and John Filippo. It didn't work. It didn't work, and it cost the Vikings a chance to have a successful season. A very successful season, possibly. Kirk Cousins' statistics, spectacular. Adam Thielen had record numbers because Kirk Cousins is doing well. And John Filippo's offense worked for a little bit. But at the end of the day, teams figured it out. John Filippo was exposed to be a one-dimensional nitwit, and that's basically what took place. And again, Kirk Cousins needs to protect the bleeping football. And John Filippo did not set up the offense to help Kirk Cousins protect the bleeping football. So the combination of the two did not work. It just did not work. It was a terrible combination, so it goes to both of them in that sense. Not, again, because Kirk Cousins was solely the most disapp- the, big- the biggest disappointment of the Minnesota Vikings season, but again, the, the combination of him with John Filippo was the biggest disappointment as far as I'm concerned. You could say Mike Zimmer was disappointing at times, and of course he was. That's why he shows up in there. His defense the first four games set the Vikings back in a big way. Um, his inability to make a decision sooner on John Filippo also was a problem. His treatment of Daniel Carlson was a problem. Uh, inability to make adjustments here and there was a problem. But eventually, he he did make adjustments defensively was helpful. But personnel in, uh, adjustments at times, I don't know. Rather than just bashing him in the media, make the move sooner or don't hire the guy in the first place. So, huge disappointment at the end of the day. The Minnesota Vikings had no business, and I mean no business, finishing this season 8-7-1, and and they did, this past season anyway. Thankfully, it's 2019 now, and hopefully we got something much better on the way. Let's hear what your thoughts are now on the 2018 Minnesota Vikings. Uh, We'll start with Mark Carlson, out of Iowa, Purple Mafia Hall of Famer, and the 2012 Gold Star Award recipient of the year. Disappointment, Laquan Treadwell, no explanation needed. <laughs> Surprise, Trey Waynes, because I didn't think he was going to be able to maintain that high-level cover. And, you know, he did an awesome job, didn't he? He really did. Um, I first, you know, he was, uh, he says MVP, Mark Carlson says MVP. Do I have to, Joey? Diggs and Thielen. Thanks, Joey, a wide and skull. So Diggs and Thielen. Sharing the award, according to Mark Carlson out of Iowa. We stay in Iowa. Dave Hickey, a very soon future Hall of Famer. Nudge, nudge. And 2013 Gold Star recipient. Dave Hickey, also out of Iowa again, says MVP on offense. Thielen on defense. Hunter, biggest disappointment. I'm going to keep picking Treadwell until he's off the team. And D. Filippo was a huge disappointment also. Amen, brother. The biggest surprise was the loss of Tony Sperano right before the season and how good Chad Beebe looked. There was just too much change and injuries for us to be a good team. Cousins, Filippo, the loss of Sperano. O-line injuries, Cook in and out of the lineup. It was all just too much. And yeah, the Cook in and out of the lineup was a huge problem as well. Again, yep, yeah, so that's something I didn't even talk about. That was a huge problem throughout the entire season. I didn't even talk about that compared to all the other stuff going on because there was so much other frustration going on, the bad offensive line, this and that. But no, that was a massive problem. Um, Dave Vicky continues saying, I don't think Flip and Zimmer were ever on the same page and forced to work together. I don't know if it was Spielman, Spielman that tried to get that marriage to work, but it ended on a bad breakup. I think Zimmer and the new offensive coordinator will be a better fit and hope the Vikings can really turn things around. That's all, folks. The, 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 that's all, folks. Thank you, Dave Vicky. That was great. 
Great, great thoughts. Dave Hickey. Kurt, Kurt Back out of White Bear Lake says, and he knows, he actually knew Adam Thielen, believe it or not, Kurt Back. Um, knew Adam Thielen's father and ultimately knew Adam Thielen. Uh, Kurt Back does give Adam Thielen the most valuable player. Disappointment, no playoffs. Biggest disappointment, O-line. I'm guessing he means biggest surprise. Biggest surprise, no playoffs. Yep, and biggest disappointment online. So, got you there. Leland, also out of Iowa. MVP Thieland. Disappointing was the O-line. Failing defense and Cousins under pressure. Take your pick, Joey. Uh-oh, no biggest surprise? Ah, oh, no. <laughs> biggest surprise was everything, right? <laughs> but no, thank you, Leland. Um, Byron Suzuki. Welcome aboard. Uh, he says, MVP Thieland. Biggest disappointment, D. Filippo. Biggest surprise, Gideon. Gideon, huh? The linebacker, the special teams linebacker, filled in above par. No, I, I hear you. I thought Gideon did well, too. Ben Gideon, that is. Brent Jacobson out of the Lakeville area. And a security guard during uh, home games for the Minnesota Vikings. Gotta love Brent Jacobson. Purple Mafia Hall of Famer. Purple Mafia Hall of Famer Brent Jacobson. MVP Thielen. Uh, Harrison Smith and Daniel Hunter, he had them all sharing it. Wow. But yeah, all three of them were spectacular. Biggest disappointment, the O-line and John D. Filippo. Biggest surprise, the defensive line. Mm. So you were impressed with how things went there. That's cool. What is all this anyway? Okay. Uh, what is all this? When did this pop up? Mm. Yep, 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 yep. Uh -huh, I got you there. Got you there, Gerald. A private message there. Sorry about that. Uh, Cedric Paulding says, and again, we'll keep that private. <laughs> Something there. Cedric Paulding out of Mississippi. Welcome aboard. I think he's a future Purple Mafia Hall of Famer, too. Absolutely. Uh, Cedric Paulding out of Mississippi says, uh, MVP, Thielen. Biggest disappointment. Offensive play calling. Yep. Biggest surprise. Defense continues to regress in must-win games. And yeah, that's a pretty good thoughts there. Uh, pretty good thoughts there, Cedric. You should be a star candidate for this show. That was pretty pretty good. I, I like that, what you had to say there. Justin Shatava says, uh, MVP Harrison Smith, biggest disappointment offensive line. Biggest surprise, despite that line. Cousins survived and put up good numbers. So, I, I hear you. He did put up good numbers. And Cousins, it's not like he was terrible this year. There's just some disappointment mixed in because of the... Uh, I don't know. Well, the play calling, the way he didn't protect the ball at times, but still, yes, he did put up spectacular numbers. Brett McCarthy, Brett McCarthy, future Hall of Famer out of South Dakota, says MVP Hunter, biggest disappointment O-line. So Hunter's the MVP, biggest disappointment's the O-line and offensive coordinator. Biggest surprise, Cousins' numbers. So, yep, Brett McCarthy also very pleased with Cousins' performance in terms of numbers and such. Uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Thank you very much for your thoughts there, guys. I really appreciate that. And there will be more fan interaction coming up. So we'll be hearing more of some of the same guys and some uh, other people also that posted on our love the interaction you guys do bring to the show. I can't thank you enough. Uh, this is going to be a massive show, of course, as you notice. Look at the first segment. But first segment is probably going to be the biggest. It usually is. But actually, no, during the regular season, the second segment tends to be the uh, preview and the NFL roundup, which I just love doing that. NFC North and all that. Um... What a fun segment that is. But this was the major, major wrap-up leading into the uh, State of the Vikings 2018. you got to put a bow on 2018 first. Now we can move into free agency, what we're looking at in the draft, and then ultimately fan interaction one more time with at least a couple calls so far. We'll see if some more come in before we get there. <laughs> it could happen. But so far, Gerald String 
and Mr. Dave Martin will be leading things off in segment number three. Until then, though, let's talk about the 2019 Vikings and where we're heading into free agency in the draft. are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. We're going to look at free agency and the draft a bit. Nothing too crazy because, well, it's how unpredictable it is going into free agency. And of course, there will be more of a uh, draft prediction show coming up. But again, just a feeler to kind of look forward towards 2019 because 2018 is officially wrapped up. First of all, we'll start with a couple of our free agents, major ones anyway. More than likely, Anderson Day, who is not going to be brought back, like I've been talking about in the first segment a bit. Uh, Anthony Barr, very unlikely he'll be brought back. The Vikings did not franchise tag him, so he's not staying. A la Nick Foles did not get franchise tagged by the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, there's going to be a decision made here. Uh, do the Vikings go towards the draft, or do you keep Sheldon Richardson? So it'll give you an idea where we're going, where we're heading. Uh, financially, it's uh, he's obviously very expensive, $12 million a year. Uh, Anthony Barr is probably out of our price range for what he is. Obviously, Mike Zimmer loves him, but what's going to happen with that, it's really tough to say. Uh, I don't think the Vikings will be bringing in anybody like uh, Ndamukong Sue or anything like that, but it'd be kind of cool, but again, I doubt it. Anthony Barr's inconsistency is what kind of makes me look the other way a bit. There's names out here. There are names all over the place in a position of need, and that's, of course, the safety position. I talked about it a teeny bit again in segment one, a tiny bit. Earl Thomas, guys like that from Seattle, how much is he going to cost? He's already 30 years old. I'm looking more towards Tyron Matthew. I can't believe he's 27 already. Tyron Matthew, of course, started his career with Arizona, had an ACL in his second season, unfortunately. Um, Obviously a very good collegiate career. Had some troubles in the past. But more so, he's been, you know, he's been keeping straight and narrow enough anyway. And, uh, well, he'd been playing safety instead of cornerback, also, again, known as the Honey Badger. To me, Tyron Matthews slash Honey Badger is a perfect fit for the Minnesota Vikings with what they like to do. He would fit in very well, I think. And he also would replace uh, Anderson Dejo in a big way. He could have a lot of fun with that. He could be kind of almost like another linebacker in some ways. <laughs> in, in some ways, obviously. But, uh, again, it's going to be a lot of fun. Harrison Smith, obviously, is very talented. We all know that. Um, and, of course, the blitzing with uh, McKenzie Alexander led to four sacks this year and had, had very key times on occasion on those third downs that helped the Vikings get that uh, much-needed uh, punt, much-needed punt, much-needed stop to force uh, well to force the ball back to us again. So that was always great to have. I, I think Tyron Matthew is something I would like uh, in a big way. I think free agency... Should be focused defensively. Of course, one other position of, of need is the third wide receiver. Laquan Treadwell will most likely not be back, of course. Uh, you look towards uh, Mr. Crowder. You look towards Jay Crowder from the uh, Washington Redskins. He's definitely somebody I look at. Uh, again, he's, a, he's, he's missed time, this and that. He's had some good seasons, 800-yard seasons, this and that. Uh, it's kind of hard to say, but he's somebody I'm interested in, Jamison Carter, pardon me, uh, from the Washington Redskins most recently. He's still only 25 years old. He's still somebody that's got a future in this league. Last year, he only played in nine games, 29 catches, 388 yards, a couple touchdowns, 
down the stretch. Certainly not somebody you'd have on your fantasy team unless it's a really, really deep deep fantasy league. In 2016, which was his best season, he had uh, 67 catches, 847 yards, 7 touchdowns, so definitely a guy who could at least be a third receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. 2017, 789 yards and 3 touchdowns. Again, also played with Kirk Cousins, so there's a familiarity there. And of course, played with Alex Smith. Again, uh, we'll talk about the Washington Redskins a bit in segment number three as well with the fan interaction with Case Keenum and all that. Wouldn't that be crazy Case Keenum is a starting quarterback for the Washington Redskins? Of course, it doesn't help that Alex Smith had a very nasty leg injury a la <laughs> Joe Theismann years ago. Same, God, it's just crazy to imagine. Same type of injury. Hmm, kind of creepy when that kind of stuff happens. Same team and same place and all that. Pretty crazy. But no, uh, Jamison Crowder definitely has a, a chance to still be a valuable third receiver, and that would be nice. Only 25 years of age could join this great receiving corps, uh, and of course, I think would be an upgrade from Laquan Treadwell in a big way. He would definitely be a slot receiver. So it's a it's a question here as well. How do you feel about Aldrick Robinson? Would you rather just bring him back and go from there, or does the Jamison Crowder fit better at that slot receiver position, or do you Possibly look towards bringing Jerry's right back. I don't know. <laughs> but then again, I'm not sure what to say with that one. But uh, yes, you would like to get a third receiver somehow, some way in free agency. But I think you're looking towards safeties and defensive line in free agency. Maybe one guard, one tackle, something like that. Somebody who's more of a depth guy. And I don't know. I mean, I don't think Minnesota it would be wise to spend $40 million like we did like a year, years ago, just a couple of years ago, uh, getting Riley Reef and Mike Remmers, putting a ton of cap space on offensive line when you could take guys in the draft. I, I think that's a better way to go. There's nothing wrong with signing one player, but again, it has to be somebody that's fairly reasonable at the end of the day. It's tough. It's a tough situation. Um, I mean, are you going to aim really high for somebody like, you know, uh, the guy from Miami, or uh, Trent Brown, obviously from uh, New England. He did a good job. Trent Brown, 26 years of age. I'm not sure the Vikings are going to want to pay that much. And again, he'd be an offensive tackle, so he would, of course, replace Riley Reef. He's not replacing O'Neal. Uh, Juwan Williams is who I was thinking about. He would be a fairly high-priced guy, along with Daryl Williams. Guys like that. Both tackles out of uh, Miami and Carolina, respectively. Luckily, in their cases, all under 30. Do you go for a Matt Partis? from Denver, center, 29 years of age. Do you think about something in that direction? You go after LaMarcus uh, Joyner to be your 28-year-old uh, safety to join uh, Mr. Harrison Smith. I'm not sure, but I would love to bring in Honey Badger. I think that'd be awesome. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner would be great. Obviously, he, he, did, he had a great season for the Los Angeles Rams. But uh, obviously, you know, I mean, uh, Time passes quickly. He's already 28 years of age. I can't even believe it. I can't believe Honey Badger's 27. That's insane. But I suppose Anthony Barr is as well. <sighs> Boy, I, I, I don't know. Um, do you look at Tevin Coleman from Atlanta to help you out uh, to, for a little power running back to replace Latavius Murray? Because unfortunately, that could be a possibility. Or do you look towards the draft for a running back? I do want to look towards the draft for a running back, but I'm thinking more of like a speed guy in the draft and then maybe a powerful guy in free agency. I don't know. It's good to have that earth, wind, and fire type of approach because we all know what Delvin Cook is. He's a great player, but he's he's a guy who gets hurt. He gets hurt, and that's just a fact. That's something I'm afraid of at the end of the day. Oh, he also could be looking at a linebacker in free agency or, of course, the draft. 
there's always that possibility that the Minnesota Vikings could take a linebacker or a defensive tackle in the first round of the draft, depending on who's available and who isn't. If somebody very exciting slips to the Vikings at one of those two positions, there's a strong possibility that's where we go. It also depends on, again, ultimately what does happen with Anthony Barr, who I do think is gone, so that's where linebacker does float around. And, of course, Mr. Sheldon Richardson. Are you able to bring him back at a reasonable price, or is it just, like, too bad, so sad? I mean, he's going to want more, and we're going to have to go in a different direction, isn't that? And that could definitely be a factor as to how Minnesota approaches the NFL draft coming up at the end of April. Very much so. Um, and then you might start seeing free agency in the, for the offensive line again. Well, I mean, look at it this way. Look at it this way. Riley Reef and Mike Remmers were acquired via free agency. Okay, so analyze what they did the last two years. They were okay in 2017. They were not okay in 2018. Look at uh, Pat Elfline and Brian O'Neill. Both of them clearly have a very long future in this league. Both of them are players that were not taken in the first round. And, well, I think they have a very long-term future in the NFL and could end up being much better than both Riley Reef and Mike Remmers long-term, obviously. Even short-term at the end of the day, depending on how uh, the health of Riley Reef. Whereas I think Mike Remmers was being played out of position and it was kind of an unfair situation for him. So, I don't know. It's a tough situation there. It's a very, very tough situation. Tom Compton, almost no chance he's brought back unless it's just in a reserve role and he's just there. He's just part of the scenery, so to speak. Um, don't be surprised if he's back at, in training camp, so to speak, unless they just figure the hell with it. We don't want to have anything to do with him right now. But I do think he'll be back in training camp and he'll be, you know, he'll he'll have a shot to get a backup position because, well, it is what it is. Nick Easton more than likely will come back healthy, but unfortunately he is also an unrestricted free agent. I got to hope you can get him back at a very reasonable price because he didn't play the entire season. He didn't exactly price himself out of the Vikings' uh <laughs> the Vikings' uh, job position right now. So Minnesota still has a chance to bring him back to be the left guard, but is he somebody you're even going to want to count on to start long-term? I say no, not right now. He's a guy that could be a depth guy to fill in for, again, Pat Offline and whoever the left guard is in the future here. Is it Riley Reef? Is Riley Reef going to be the left guard? Well, we saw what happened moving Mike Remmers to right guard, from right tackle to right guard. How did it work out? It was a downgrade. It was a downgrade. It wasn't an upgrade. He got worse. Mike Rimmers got worse at guard than he was at tackle. He was okay at tackle, and he was below average at guard. So Riley Reef, who was above average at tackle his first year, last year was, I'd say, slightly below average, and two in some games just flat out awful. Because, again, he was hurt, hurt foot, and it just kept nagging him all year. And he's one of those guys, he's tough, he can fight through it. But, yeah, but you still stink because you're too hurt to play at the top level. And you're going against somebody who's obviously already better than you and, and Aaron Donald. And, well, Kirk Cousins is on his back and the ball is on the ground and the game's over. Stuff like that. <clears throat> so that did not sit well with me at all. And I don't think it sat well with anybody. That's just one game. But then again, it wasn't just one game when it came to Riley Reefs. Off and on, off injured play last year and off up, up, up and down play. Uh, I don't think he was healthy the whole gosh darn season. And can you count on him? I have no freaking idea. Uh, Golden Tate is a nice veteran wide receiver, obviously well debated. He's a slot receiver with some speed. Obviously, you can do all kinds of fun stuff with him offensively, some kind of creative things. Um, I don't know. Depends on what you want to do. Do you want to go young? Do you want to go with a guy who's kind of middle young like Jamison Crowder? Do you want to go super young like in the draft? 
Obviously, mid to later rounds, you don't want to go with a wide receiver in the first round. If you do that, that's like burn down U.S. Bank Stadium at that point. The hell with it, man. <laughs> that's unacceptable to me. Um, I just would get sick. Uh, Golden Tate wouldn't be a bad addition, but it depends on what his price tag is. Obviously, he was a valuable player for Philadelphia last season. Was good with Detroit for a while as well. I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much he's going to want to want. And he's 31 years of age, but he seems like the kind of guy who could hang around for quite a while still. Got that energy. He's he, he's an energy bug, baby. That's what he is. Um, Mitch Morse. Mitch Morse from uh, Kansas City. Center. 27 years of age. Move Elfline to left guard. But no, I mean, there's all kinds of talk about Mayberry in the draft as well. When it comes to uh, looking at uh, guards and such and, and center, Mayberry could be uh, the kind of guy you draft at a center position and then move Elfline to left guard. Is that something you might want to go with? And then also bring back Nick Easton to back up both of them. Hmm. There's even talk of Ed Oliver is there at 18 that the Vikings should take him, obviously. Well, of course. I mean, he's a defensive uh, tackle who could be a three technique, but Ed Oliver is ranked like fourth overall in the entire draft. Of course, he's a, he's, he's out of Houston. And uh, he's a junior, but of course, in the NFL draft. I don't think that's a likely destination. I don't think that's something that's likely to happen. Uh, You're looking at Cody Ford, without a doubt, at guard. If you want to go for the guard, Cody Ford out of Oklahoma. Um, It's all very tough um, at the end of the day. Where where do you go? I mean, where the heck do you go? Obviously, I mean, it it depends on who's available. It, It really does. That's the toughest part about... About this, you don't know who's going to be available. Uh, Jonah Williams has looked on as the top tackle so far. Uh, some drafts have him slipping to Minnesota. That would be great out of Alabama. 301. He moved from right to left tackle in college. So he started at right tackle. And then, of course, Mr. Cam Robinson moved on in, uh, moved on, obviously, to the NFL. And then uh, Jonah Williams moved over to the left tackle. And Alabama is what they are, one of the great. Call collegiate teams in, in, out there. One of the greatest ever, of course. We all know about that. Cody Ford is what he is. A very viable, strong guard out of Oklahoma. Actually has a has more weight, more more dynamic, so to speak, than Jonah Williams in terms of. Well, I think he'd be a good run protector. Six foot four, three thirty eight. Cody Ford could absolutely be great for pass protection. Uh, Chris Lidstrom is somebody you could get in the second round, possibly. Uh, Garrett May, uh, Bradbury, I just called him Maybury. Garrett Bradbury, a player, obviously, who would be at center out of NC State, 6'3", 300. So, again, slightly shorter. Obviously, that's because he's a center position. Centers are slightly shorter out of North Carolina State. Bradbury, a little bit of a reach. He's ranked 56 overall uh, in the draft. 56 overall. Chris Lidstrom, also another guy that could be a sleeper, so to speak. Dalton Reisner. Do the Vikings go after any of these guys? I have no idea. Um, you just hope... I mean, there, there's a ton of guards in this draft. You just hope that the Minnesota Vikings, obviously, that uh, you, you're able to pick up one or two of these guys. Two would be ideal, and it'd be just freaking awesome if you're able to go with two of them in, in uh, maybe in the first and third round, or you trade up in the second, or you trade up at the bottom of the first round. Uh, you take one there, and you take you take one with your 18th, and you trade back up into the first round like Mr. Uh, Spielman was able to do many times in the past. But, of course, hopefully you don't want to give up the rest of your draft to get there. And then you don't pick again until like late in the third round or early in the fourth. That's never any fun because then you don't get really anything else then. I mean, you, you hope you hope somebody, you hope another Everson Griffin is there in the fourth round, another Stefan Diggs, you know what I mean? Another valuable piece. 
But again, there are other positions of need, like linebacker potentially if Anthony Barr isn't there. That's a pretty big gaping hole at the linebacker position, along with the safety position with the loss of Anderson Day, who more than likely not being brought back. I don't think they want him back. I just think that they're moving on. Uh, Garrett Bradbury. I can't believe I... <laughs> okay, let's just move on. But uh, I can't believe I called him Maybury, but that is what it is. Uh, Dalton Reisner out of Kansas State. Again, he's just one of those guys. He's probably a second-round player. He's probably a second-round player. A Greg Little, somebody's been mentioned here and there as well out of Ole Miss. A lot of us are scared of Ole Miss because of what happened with uh, <laughs> Look what Treadwell. I'm thinking, you know, I mean, there's always teams in the, you know, there's always a team or two that's going to take a guy pretty early. Like Jonah Williams, he might end up going in the single-digit rounds. I mean, you don't know. He might end up going like the Buffalo or something. Who knows? I, I kind of doubt he's going to slip to 18th. But I think Cody Ford is going to, I think there's a strong possibility he'll be available and he'll probably be the pick. I, I think... A consensus mock draft from Purple Mafia, at least first round. I think Cody Ford comes to the Vikings. That That's just my guess. But, uh, you know, crazy stuff happens. Certain guys slip for whatever reason, just because teams go crazy over a certain position or this guy and that guy, they get a big opinion over this receiver, like, God, he's going to save our franchise, and, and then he ends up being mediocre. And then, wow, this guy who was, you know, a common sense type of pick, 10, 10 picks ago, falls right in your lap, and there you go. Hell yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I do think Cody Ford is probably going to be the pick. You know, Jawan Taylor's obviously a possibility as well. He's ranked 19th overall in the draft. He's from the Florida Gators, six foot five. But I, I, again, we're going to go deeper into the draft next time around. I mean, I'm focusing heavily on offensive line right now when it comes to the draft because you got to get somebody. You got to get somebody. And again, I mean, I'm also kind of putting together the possible vision with the Minnesota Vikings is that Garrett Bradbury move. If you can get him in the second round, like imagine you get Cody Ford in the first round, you bring in Garrett Bradbury. Wow, that'd be unbelievable. But I got to think you probably want to take a tackle. That's the one thing. Oh, that's the tough part. You probably want to go for a tackle like Greg Little, six foot six, but out of Ole Miss. Uh, if you're going to get Bradbury, if you're going to get Bradbury, you probably want to take a tackle because. It, it depends on if you just want to go guard, 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 guard. But then again, I suppose. It wouldn't be the dumbest move if you did that because <laughs> think about it. If you're going to let Mike Remmers go, you might as well go guard, 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 guard. And then, well, maybe you move Riley Reef to the right side and move Brian uh, Brian O'Neill to the left or just leave them right where they are. Oh, boy. I don't know. It's a tough situation. Sign a free agent, take a tackle somewhere in the draft and hope to God he's he's got a future. Rashad Hill, obviously he's like your you know, your third tackle, you could say, at this point. He's not somebody you want starting, so he'd be like the third guy. It's tough. I mean, well, if you're going to be running the football a hell of a lot, you're going to want to really shore up the center of the line there, the center itself, obviously, either Pat Elfline or Garrett Bradbury, and Elfline uh, moving to one of the guard positions, which would probably be left. Who knows? Uh, who knows, though? I mean, and you still have Easton. So, well, you might have Easton. The Vikings have to sign him back. So it's all kind of a wait-see. Uh, Reisner is more of a tackle, I would have to say. Six foot five, of course. He would he would be a tackle coming in. Oh, boy. Maybe you move O'Neal to left. You'd be awfully young at the bookend positions, but if both of the guys are ready to go, I mean, well, you can't really go wrong then. If they're both ready to go and they've got a long future in the league, then I feel good about it. But, again... 
obviously. Offensive line, <laughs> future of this team is huge. If, obviously, there's a nice, strong defensive player available, like an Ed Oliver, I mean, it is what it is, and then, and then you you got to go for something special, like a, you know, you got to hope and pray to God, Reisner, Bradbury, somebody like that's available in the second round, and if you have to trade up to get them, so be it. That might end up being the uh, direction when it comes to the Vikings. Uh, <laughs> should uh, a very valuable player come available defensively, like an Ed Oliver. I, I people are talking about him slipping, but I doubt it. Uh, Devin Bush out of Michigan. That's a that's a possible linebacker replacement. Don't think you're going to get Devin White. It's Devin or Devin, but I don't think Devin White's going to be available. He's got to go much higher up there. There's always an elite linebacker that's taken in the top ten, and that's probably going to be Devin White. Devin Bush, though, he's somebody that'll be floating around. Mac Wilson, maybe you look at him in the second round out of Alabama. But uh, again, we'll look at them more. I'll have more of an in-depth draft analysis coming up. But, you know, I'm excited about it. It's something to look forward to. Free agency can be quite the crapshoot. I mean, you look at all these players and, it, you know, you're, you're hoping you're going to get somebody that can really help this team. And you're going to have to shore up that center, that safety position. I truly think safety is going to be a position the Vikings put money into in the offseason, into free agency. Ha-ha Clinton Dix, is that a possibility? LaMarcus Joyner, a possibility? Guys like that. I, I just keep talking about safety, safety, safety. And I that's that's just, it just keeps popping up in my head. That's where I'm looking at. I think Tyron Matthew and I think Tyron Ty Matthew is absolutely on the radar. I think he's a perfect fit for what the Vikings want to do. I just don't want to put millions and millions and millions of dollars into offensive linemen that I, I, I don't know. I mean, that you could, I mean, maybe you can get somebody of equal talent in the draft and will be more committed to your team long term. That type of situation. That's kind of what I'm leaning towards right now, where safeties in the draft are a complete crapshoot. A complete crapshoot, and it scares the hell out of me. That's why I'd rather take a safety in free agency. I think offensive line, uh, obviously, offensive linemen have failed many, many times in the draft. I mean, well, I mean, Bryant McKinney was never as good as he was supposed to be. What was he, you know, seventh overall, at least he was supposed to be until we screwed that up, but yeah, we'll leave that alone. Uh, Brian McKinney. Did Brian McKinney ever really live up to the Hall of Fame project, uh, you know, projection that, he, that that was on him going into that draft? I don't think so. Many years ago, back in 02. I don't think he came close to it, frankly. Even though he made the Pro Bowl a couple times, he was never that legendary left tackle. Uh, and obviously that frickin' Matt Khalil, I thought he was going to be a just the best. I thought he was going to be a superstar for many, many years. He sucked. He just, he, his first year he was good, and after that, down, down, down. Brian McKinney, his first year he was really good, and after that, down, down, down. So, it is what it is, man. And it just leaves you, it, it makes you sick thinking about it. It is what it is. So, I don't know. You get frustrated, but the last few at least have been pretty nice for us. Obviously, you took a bunch of junk. You had, uh, I can't remember what the guy's name. Something Love. I can't remember his name anymore. It's been so long. Uh, Chris Jaguer, who didn't do anything. Six-round pick. Huge guy. He was a huge guard who didn't do anything. Didn't even play ever for the Vikings. Um, but then you have guys like Matt Burke. You have Mr. Sullivan, of course, John Sullivan, both taken in the sixth round, who really anchored the center for the Minnesota Vikings for years. Um, obviously, Sullivan, not nearly as long as Burke. Uh, Jeff Christie wasn't a high draft pick either. So, obviously, nice... Uh, future there. Pat Offline was a third overall pick. He can play both guard and center, so third overall pick. Third round pick, pardon me. 
I'm intrigued by the Bradbury move. Obviously, he, he, he can certainly play that center position at a very high level, and he could be one of the best centers in the league for many years, possibly. That's what intrigues me about that, that move, should the Vikings head that direction with uh, Garrett Mayberry out of NC State. So, ah, he's, he's the top center in the draft. So, if you want to go that way, so be it. Pat Elfline can play guard or center, and uh, it's going to be extremely interesting to see where things go with that. Again, Cody Ford, though, if, I'm were, if I were to say the most likely guy to wind up with the Minnesota Vikings at 18th overall, it's, it's Cody Ford out of Oklahoma. But we all know how things can go. Things can change very, very, very quickly. I think Cody Ford will be there, and if he isn't, somebody else. Somebody else that maybe was ranked higher will be there, or Jawan Taylor or Jonah Williams, and you'll be looking at tackle at that stage. And then maybe, pray to God, you can get a Chris Lindstrom or Garrett Bradbury later in the draft. And I think that's a very ideal situation, though. If you can get another tackle to go with Brian O'Neill for the long term, and then uh, if, if Bradbury's there later in the second round or something, oh, man, Mm-mm. that would be pretty exciting, if you ask me. I think that'd be a pretty ideal situation, actually. It wouldn't It wouldn't hurt me too much. wouldn't hurt me too much if things went that direction, if you got a tackle. But um, Clinton Dix, LaMarcus Joyner, and or, well, and or, yeah, uh, Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, ideal additions to Minnesota. I don't see Le'Veon Bell coming here, obviously. No, I, not, not exactly. That guy didn't even play last year. Isn't that crazy? Uh, yeah, boy, drama in, drama in Pittsburgh, of course. Mr. Uh, Brown as well. Heck, whatever. Uh, there was talks about him coming here, Antonio Brown. Uh, well, he's going to wind up with a certain team very soon, and we'll find out who that is. I think it was supposed to be... Yeah, any day now here. So it was going to be Buffalo when that blew up. So um, I don't know. Tevin Coleman is a guy I kind of like too, though, out of Atlanta. I kind of like him. I think he could help us, but we'll see. I, I don't know what his price tag is going to be exactly. Jordan Hicks out of Philadelphia would be freaking awesome. If you want to go free agent linebacker, that wouldn't hurt me at all. Love what Hicks brought to the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm sure they loved what he brought as well. But um, again, the price tag price tag. Uh, Trey Boston out of Arizona is another player, obviously another safety you could be looking at. He'd, he'd be a little bit cheaper budget, I think, if you went that direction versus uh, uh, Tyron Matthew, who did a hell of a job with Houston last season, uh, recovering from injury and all that. Uh, that took place not too long ago. So Clinton Dix, baby. Clinton Dix. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to look forward to. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Uh, obviously, the next Purple Mafia show will be strictly free agency of the signings the Vikings had, again, deeper into the draft, and then the real legitimate draft uh, preview, where literally it'll be a two-segment show with a draft preview and uh, all that to talk about and um, fan interaction. So with that, we'll take a quick break and jump into the major, major fan interaction, again, with the major awards, the annual awards, to those of you out there that have been so loyal and so wonderful to Purple Mafia. Hey Joey, um, it's been a while and I do apologise, but I have been so busy, you wouldn't believe it, and there's also Australian Open tennis to have watched, so it's kind of taken my interest away from what's been going on in the NFL. Finally got around to listening to your podcast for the Super Bowl. Yeah, only taken me about three weeks, but uh, what the heck, these things happen. 
Um, let me say, congratulations on 11 years of podcasting. That is one hell of an achievement. And you deserve a platinum, diamond-encrusted gold star for your efforts. Thank you, my friend. Um, I've always appreciated what you've done because there's never been any bs with you about how you view the vikings and that's important as to uh new england i mean incredible belichick what can you say he truly is the goat of nfl coaching in fact he could be the goat of coaching period for what he's achieved with that team over the last 17 18 years um Interesting developments, though, this last week with Mr. Kraft um, and his massage parlour dealings. It, um, that's going to be interesting to see where that goes this year. Will that be the end of his ownership of New England? Personally, I really couldn't care if he uses a massage parlour or not. If it's well regulated, uh, it's all above board and the girls are happy, what the hell? Each to their own. But anyway, I guess we'll find out more about that as uh, the weeks progress. Now, as to my beloved Purple, I suppose in hindsight we should have expected what we got, a disappointing season. Um, Clearly under Zimmer you get one good season, one mediocre season. High expectations, lay an egg, low expectations, hey, we make the championship game. Um, So I'm not sure where expectations will be this year. The um, introduction of Kubiak is interesting, Um, but ultimately... If you don't fix the O-line, we probably will be in a very similar situation to last year. And equally, cap space is a big problem. Um, who will they let go? Who will they bring in? All going to be very interesting. Yeah, my expectations, I suppose, like yours are, we should make the playoffs next season. I don't see why not. Um, as regards to Kirk Cousins, hey, we've got him for two years, so let's see where we go with it. Um, we don't have any other choice. Give him a service O-line, then maybe, you know, he can do the job. I'm not convinced. I'm not anywhere near 100% all in on the guy. But only time will tell, because um, who the hell would you bring in? Um, I was quite a fan of Case Keenum, as you know. I think he, he made that team look so much better than it actually was. But that's the past, and we can only look at the future. As to uh, your um, disappointments... Of the season, obviously, the way the team played. You know, from the first get-go, San Francisco didn't exactly light the place up. Um, For me, the highlights were going to New York and enjoying the company of the New York Vikings at uh, East Rutherford. Fabulous day out. Uh, And also getting to the new stadium, um, which impressed me greatly. And having a few days in Minneapolis, which is always um, most enjoyable. Anyway... As um, we rattle on towards um, the draft, I look forward to what you've got to say in the next show. Um, You take it easy, my friend, and uh, get a podcast out there soon. Skull, brothers and sisters. Hey, Joey. Gerald out of Nebraska. Just going to do a quick call in and give you my votes for 2018. Um, I'll start with the worst. Uh, My biggest disappointment has to be the underwhelming performance of that offensive line. I've always been hard on Rammers. I think he's just overpaid. Uh, I don't think he shows up in the big games. I still remember him from Carolina in the Super Bowl getting worked by Vaughn Miller. I know a lot of people get worked by Vaughn Miller, but it just seems to be a consistent issue um, there. So uh, runner-up disappointment really was Dalvin Cook. Not that he particularly physically had a bad performance. It's just that when you get tackled five yards in the 
backfield, you're not going to have a great year. I just remember the game. I don't remember which game it was where they clocked him at the have the fastest run up to that point in the NFL that year. Uh, I just don't remember that long run he had, uh, who, what game that was. But that shows you what he can do. Uh, you know what he can do, uh, running the ball, uh, receiving, um, hopefully get him up to his potential next year. Uh, MVP, one of my favorite players, Harry the Hitman, but I don't think he's the MVP. I just think he had a, another consistent, stubbly, Harry the Hitman type of year. Um, the guy just shows up and just does his job. But I think the true MVP for me would have to be Daniel Hunter. Uh, I think he just took his game to another level. I think he's unblockable. I think he's a stud. I hope we keep him there for a long time. Uh, I think he's just a great athlete and a great player. Probably runner-up would probably be Thielen. I thought he had a pretty good year, obviously, going at the beginning of the season and maybe tapered off a little bit, but still has been a pretty consistent receiver for us there the last couple of years. Just don't think he's probably was his greatest year this year, and I just think Benil's my MVP. Biggest surprise, uh, honestly, back to the beginning of the season when Tony Sperano passed away. I mean, nobody was expecting that. You never expect that. And I just think from that point, we really needed the offensive line to step up this year. And if anybody could have done it, it he could have been that guy. But I just think from, I just had a sick feeling when that happened. It just, I don't know. It just seemed like from that point, things just started. We didn't have a great start to the season. And, and I just, Seemed like it just carried through the rest of the season, and I think it started there. So, um, you know, hope we don't have to deal with that um, going forward. But anyway, uh, you know, I love the podcast. Uh, Joey, thanks for everything you do, and we'll talk to you later. And I can't thank you guys enough. Gerald, and of course, Mad Martin, two Purple Mafia Hall of Famers right there doing their thing. As you can guess, obviously, who's getting entered in. Uh, Gerald went in last year, and yes, <laughs> another one's going in this year for sure. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, it's been 11 years indeed. Uh, Mad Martin, Dave Martin, out of Northern Scotland, Gerald Spring out of Nebraska. Yep, 11 years. It's been unbelievable. Thank you so much for that platinum, diamond-laced, gold star. It means a great deal. Uh, that must have been enjoyable watching the Vikings play in New York and, of course, coming here as well. Uh, Gerald, you mentioned about the 22-mile-an-hour uh, run by uh, Delvin Cook. I was actually wrong myself. I thought it was in the Miami game. I don't know what I was talking about. It was actually, I guess, the Green Bay Packers. So a little addendum and a rata. Delvin Cook only ran the ball into the end zone twice during the season, believe it or not, late in that Seattle game when the Vikings had zero points on the board, trailing 3 nothing forever. Uh, John D. Filippo's last hurrah there <laughs> at the end of the day. Delvin Cook, though, it was a green. It was the Green Bay Packers game, November the 25th. November the 25th, so a little couple days after uh, Thanksgiving, after we'd enjoyed our Thanksgiving turkey and we were enjoying that weekend, and those of us that do lawn cleanups got finished finally after getting frozen, basically. That was ridiculous. But yes, uh, and we had our marble Christmas because it was there was some snow on the ground and some not, but depends on what part of the world and what part of the United States you were in. Uh, but that was in the Twin Cities here where the Vikings uh, play, of course. Delvin Cook, 22 mile an hour run against the Green Bay Packers on the 25th. So my apologies there. 
addendum and errata, as we like to call it. Can't thank you guys enough. Uh, great thoughts, as always. And yes, we're stuck with Kirk Cousins, Dave Martin. We are stuck with him for a couple more years. We don't have a choice. And again, if you protect him, it, it's as simple as that. If he's protected, we're in good shape. If he's not, we're we're going to just have the same old thing that we did last season. 9-7, and 8-8, eight and eight, maybe 10-6 and six if you're lucky, and then first round exit, which is what nobody wants. Uh, I don't think anybody on this planet wants a first round exit. Uh, that's just, you know, we've been through that kind of stuff too much over the years. It's depressing. It's sad. It is what it is. None of us want that. Um, great uh, call-ins, though, from both of you. I, I don't want to hyper-analyze too much. Just kind of let you guys have the floor. But just kind of generally speaking and answering a couple questions there. Um, <clears throat> and giving you the general gist. So, yes, uh, thanks again. If you want to call in, those of you out there that haven't yet, call in one way or another. There's the phone lines, 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. It's a voicemail. Treat it as such. Mention which show you're calling into, which is Purple Mafia and all that. Uh, there's also the audio submission route, which Mad Martin used. I think Gerald did too, if I remember correctly. Yes, I'm pretty sure he did this time. Yes, uh, you just use a, the voice recording application on your smart device, cell phone, whatever the heck it is. And record it, save it, and email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com. I would then convert it into an MP3 file, thanks to Zamzar or Converto.com, which is wonderful. And uh, there you go. So that's pretty much how you get on board. You can hear your voice and be a Purple Mafia Hall of Famer, that's for sure. Uh, you guys are fantastic. Great takes, as always. Going to get caught up on the Twitter account, at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show. Some notifications to catch up with. Of course, it's been way too long. And yes, I finally did get a podcast out, Mad Martin. I finally did. Took forever, but it is what it is. Uh, Vince Germano retweeted the most recent show, The Shutdown Super Bowl. And yes, it's okay that it took you a few weeks to get caught up because, well, a new show hadn't come out anyway. And like are you saying, that's how it is sometimes. And that is how it is. And hey, you downloaded it and you listened to it. So even if it's a month late, it is what it is. So... This is what it is. Hey, that, that's what's great about podcasts is they're still there. It's not like, oh, I missed it. And yeah, I might get replayed a year from now somewhere, you know, like TV sometimes. Or then again, I guess they replay it again a couple times, but it doesn't hurt anybody in the podcasting uh, world at all. When you download and listen, it still counts as a download and listen. So downloading is obviously the best thing you can do. Malcolm McSween, future Purple Mafia Hall of Famer, without a doubt. Hint, hint there. Um, what are we talking about here? Let's see. There's some kind of a reply to something. Oh, okay, yes, yes, yes. Pro Football Focus rookie tackle Brian O'Neill led the league in terms of most pass-blocking snaps without allowing a single snack. Snack. Sack. <laughs> 531. 531. Tyron Smith was second with 521. James Hurst of the... Baltimore Ravens 389 and Orlando Brown. Oh, I remember that name pretty well of uh, the Baltimore Ravens 369. I remember he was one of those guys that was floating around and Paul Charchin was hardcore like saying, come on guys, come on guys, draft Orlando Brown. That was a few years back. Brian O'Neill's got a nice future in this league. Whether it's right tackle or left tackle, Brian O'Neill is going to be a wonderful addition. And that's why for me, he was the biggest surprise of the season because a lot of people thought he was underdeveloped, uh, had a lot of promise, had a lot of skill, but it wasn't, you know, going to happen this year. But uh, he allowed zero sacks and 531 snaps. And again, he didn't even start the season out as a starting right tackle, of course. It took a little while. Took an injury from Rashad Hill. 
Brian O'Neill would come in in little spurts here and there because you got to get him out there a little bit. And then next thing you know, he's full time. And wow, great season by Brian Hill. Great start. Hopefully he continues it. Uh, boy, that number 75 scares you a little bit because Matt Khalil wore that number. But uh, Brian O'Neill, restore honor to number 75. All right, let's, let's get that done. Twitter account, fairly quiet. Yep, that's pretty much it. But Malcolm McSween, can't thank you enough out of the southern part of California there. Uh, not from L.A. or anything, but just a bit further the southern half of California there. Great guy. Great guy out of Cali. Um, nice to know you got Purple Mafia fans, Viking fans all over the country, all over the world. Northern Scotland, Australia, New Zealand, and Tene Brown. Man, love him. Love Tene Brown. He's called into this show before at least once. Yep, he had a uh, audio submission. That guy's got a voice to radio. Matt Martin absolutely has a voice to radio. Uh, Gerald String, awesome job. You know, great voice as well. Uh, great presence and great takes great football knowledge classic both of you guys have seen super bowls before with the vikings in them um, I, my condolences unfortunately with what took place in those games and not trying to be sarcastic or rude it, it sucks watching this team lose it sucks nobody wants them to lose uh you know do, do you think i enjoyed watching the vikings lose five nfc championship games no we've lost six in a row now getting back to philadelphia in the 1980 when they went to their first super bowl to play the uh Pittsburgh Steelers, and they lost that one. Third time's a charm for the Eagles, of course. They went to two, uh, three Super Bowls. They finally got their victory in the third one. Yeah, we've lost six straight NFC title games after losing four straight Super Bowls. Like, not in a row, like year by year by year, but you get the idea. The appearances all lost consecutively. Oh, boy. Mm. So, I had this all set up, and the thing crashed, and you know how that goes. So, bear with me with the Facebook page. Facebook dot com forward slash purple mafia show gonna give a quick shout out to mn vikings haven mn vikings haven trevor wickerin kind enough to allow me to post on that page thank you again trevor wickerin very uh much encouraging you to join that page if you could facebook page in-game threads and conversation this and that uh, also very much welcome to join the in-game threads on purple mafia <laughs> the purple mafia show facebook.com forward slash purple mafia show but again do join mn vikings haven as well thank you again trevor wicker and for being so kind and uh much obliged to give you a shout out and encourage my listeners to join as a good number of you have i've seen dave hickey on there at the very least and a few others i believe Tene and others so love trevor wicker north of here bit north of the Twin Cities. He escaped the crazy politics of this Metroplex. Mm, I haven't, so it just is what it is. Uh, any comments in that section? No, there aren't. The uh, shutdown Super Bowl, no comments there. Just a few likes, but thank you. Some of the legends there clicking like. Purple Mafia legends. Thank you, guys. The Vikings announced their coaching staff around the uh, middle of February there, February the 8th. Merwin Malouf. Merwin Malouf is the new special teams coordinator his playing career, he played guard from 97 to 99, and he went to, uh, that was with Baldwin Wallace, so a very small college there, so he played some college football. He became an offensive line assistant coach in 2000. For Fordham, he became an assistant with the offensive line in 2001. In 0203, Rogers assistant offensive line graduate assistant. Huh. And then off to the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns scouting administrator in 2004. 040. I mean, excuse me, 0506, the Cleveland Browns special teams quality control. Interesting. Well, I think we need some quality control around here sometimes. Baldwin Wallace, Wallace, pardon me, he's a volunteer coach in 07. That's interesting. And then full-time NFL jobs, 08 to 11 assistant special teams for the Baltimore Ravens, 2012 special teams coordinator. There you go. 
Miami Dolphins for five years, assistant special teams, and now he's a special teams coordinator again in 2019. So he's only been a special teams coordinator for one year, and he was an assistant to special teams with the Ravens and the Dolphins for an extended period of time. So we'll see what happens with Merwin Maloof. Hopefully things work out pretty good. Unfortunately, only one year with Indianapolis. So, huh, that's interesting. I believe that's because Mr. Caldwell got let go after that year. I believe that's about right. Or was it the year? I, I don't know. So that's kind of a bummer. Rick Dennison's your new offensive line coach. That took forever. Uh, tons of uh, experience, though. Obviously, he was... They, they talked about him for forever. Obviously, lots of experience with the Denver Broncos and tons and tons and tons of... Uh, well, he's been around with uh, Gary Kubiak, so he's, but he's known him for many years. Tons of uh, time worked together with that guy. Uh, good, strong relationship with Gary Kubiak, who, again, will be like our basically our assistant head coach helping out on the offensive side. Gary Kubiak bringing in that knowledge and that Super Bowl ring, and hopefully it amounts to a hell of a lot. I hope so. So Dennison was a tight end in 76 to 79. Yes, sir. We're talking back in the day here. Tight end for Colorado State. Denver Broncos, he played linebacker. Okay, this is, what am I talking about? Yeah, yeah, he was a tight end for Colorado State during that time. Then he became a linebacker. That's interesting for Denver. For eight years, Rick Dennison played linebacker for the Denver Broncos. Played in a number of Super Bowls, but unfortunately did not win one for the Denver Broncos. Then he became a coach, 92-94, Sutfield in Connecticut Academy, assistant coach. Offensive assistant for the Broncos and got a championship in 90... Nope, nope, they lost. They lost They lost that year. That was a bummer. A great team in 96. They ended up winning it all in 97. Yep, and 98. He was the special teams coach in 1997, 98. They got the Super Bowl both of those years with special teams. <clears throat> Offensive line coach with the Broncos from 01 to 05. Offensive coordinator with the Denver Broncos from 06 to 08. Offensive line in 09. Houston, Texas, the offensive coordinator from 2010 to 2013. Baltimore Ravens quarterback's coach, so he's got a ton of experience. Denver Broncos offensive coordinator again, 15-16. So a Super Bowl ring there with Gary Kubiak. Of course, again, lots of association with that guy. Denver Broncos, uh, excuse me, Buffalo Bills in 2017. Offensive coordinator, 2018 New York Jets offensive line run game coordinator. And Minnesota Vikings 2019 offensive line, and he'll have to do with the run game as well. But he was a run game coordinator with the uh, New York Jets, the team we played last season. Pretty good running game, I would have to say, in New York last year. I would have to say their running game was really, really good, actually, if you remember correctly. So multiple running backs having a ton of success there. Mr. Drew Petzing is going to be the wide receivers coach now. <clears throat> 20, uh, 2005-06, Middlebury College was a defensive back. So he played a couple years Defensive back for Middlebury College. And then he became a coach, volunteer student assistant. So kind of like a Ryan Saunders afterward. <laughs> After playing for the uh, the Gopher basketball team, became an assistant coach. Uh, now he's the interim head coach of the Timberwolves. Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, the NBA team. Yeah, pretty crazy. Um, we move on. 2009 Harvard volunteer assistant. Harvard. Boston College. Boston College. 2010-11. to 11, Graduate assistant. Outside linebackers for Yale. Wow, this guy's been in the, uh, the Ivy League, man. Middlebury and Harvard and Boston College and Yale. Yes. 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 Playing some polo and some golf. And uh, yes, uh, stay away from the skull and bones, though, if you could. That would be appreciated. I can. Let's just hope there's no skull and bones association with this one. Yeah. Let's, uh, I'll leave that alone. 
2013 Cleveland Browns football operations. Okay, football operations. 14-15 Minnesota Vikings coaching assistant. So here we go with Mr. Zimmer joining Zimmer's staff. <clears throat> coaching assistant, assistant wide receivers in 16-17, assistant quarterbacks in 18, and now he is the wide receivers coach. So his first full-time uh, job at the NFL. No longer the assistant, but the, the main wide receivers coach. Pretty soon every player is going to have a coach, right? That's what they keep saying. So there's your staff. Mike Zimmer's the head coach. George Edwards, George Edwards, defensive coordinator. Kevin Stefanski, offensive coordinator. Marwin Maloof. I love that name, Maloof. Like the uh, the owners of the uh, Sacramento Kings years ago. The Maloofs. Marwin Maloof, special teams coordinator. Rick Dennison, offensive line slash run game coordinator. So if he does anything like he did in New York, I mean, all right. New York Jets struggled with the win-loss record, but they had a hell of a running game, boy. Uh, Ryan Ficken, Ryan Ficken, assistant special teams. So he's, uh, Ficken helping, uh, Mr. Ficken Maloof. So that's good. Uh, Jerry Gray, defensive backs. Jeff Howard, defensive assistant, uh, assistant defensive backs. Okay. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Andrew Janelko, assistant offensive line. He helped out last year as well. Derek Keyes, assistant strength and conditioning. Gary Kubiak. Gary Kubiak. Sounds familiar. Assistant head coach, offensive advisor, Clink, Clink Kubiak. Clink Kubiak, I like that name. Wow. Quarterback's coach, yes, sir. Chaz Mahal is the uh, assistant strength and conditioning. Brian Paranani, Parini, Parini, pardon me, tight ends coach. Andre Patterson from back in the Dennis Green days, believe it or not, came back defensive line coach for the Vikings. Drew Petzing, wide receivers coach. Kenny Palomalo, remember that name, Kennedy Palomalo, again, brother of uh, Troy Palomalo, uh, running backs coach there, Nick Rallis, defensive quality coordinator, and we got to have some defensive quality, boy, we need some offensive line quality control as well, that'd be nice, uh, Robert Rodriguez is the assistant defensive line coach, oh boy, <laughs> Mark Yuyama, Yuyama, I hope that's right, Yuyama, yeah, <laughs> head coach, Head strength and conditioning. And Adam Zimmer. That's a little bit easier to pronounce. Uh, linebackers coach. All right. So there is your coaching staff for your 2019 Minnesota Vikings. God bless. And uh, let's roll, guys. Let's roll. Let's get her done. Hopefully we got the right guys in order. And boy, you know, hopefully, hopefully. So here we go. Are you guys ready? Are you guys ready for something? Something semi-entertaining? Semi-entertaining anyway. Terrell Davis says, I think it's time to bring AP home. So are you talking about Adrian Peterson coming back to the Vikings? This is what I say. Welcome, Minnesota Viking fans across the United States and worldwide. I introduce to you running back Adrian Peterson. Uh, let's get ready to fumble! I'm sorry. I, I just couldn't resist. I, I just couldn't. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, no, I'll, I'll pass. You know, I mean, you know what? Hall of Famer, love him and all that. Love what he brought to the Vikings, but he's too one-dimensional. The Vikings are going in a different direction at this stage. You know, we don't need a one-dimensional offense. You know, it's good to have some running game and all that. It's good to have it, but the guy will never understand his role. He thinks he's the best running back in the league still. So I think I think we need to pass on that. I love you, Terrell Davis. You were the best. I mean, God, I wish that guy never got hurt. Uh, man, you know, what a hell of a player he was. Generated 12 comments. I can't even believe what I'm seeing here. 12 comments from this, but of course it would. Matthias Vanderbuck, Vanderbeek, pardon me. 
as a guy in a doctor's outfit saying, but why? Oh, yeah, I agree. It kind of looks like Sam Bradford, the, the, the guy in the picture there. He really looks like Sam Bradford. Just his eyes aren't as bug-eyed. Uh, John Bussett says, all pro fumbling. Justin Shatava replies to John Bussett saying, that's first ballot Hall of Fame fumbling. Can't disagree with that. Leland Albertson out of Iowa says, doubtful. Gerald Swing out of Nebraska says, with our own line, yikes. Eric Mustard says, nah, he's out of South Dakota. Nah, we're good. Unless, of course, he can play O-line. <laughs> Sean Cochrane says, nah, I already burned his jersey. Mike Tapanilla says, yep, he's got Tracy Morgan kind of staring like, are you kidding me? So, yep, that's Tracy Morgan there. Uh, William Carr, third down running back. Okay, okay. Mark Carlson out of Iowa says, only if Leroy Horde comes back, too. Yep, we all know about the Horde giveth and taketh away because he liked to fumble sometimes, too. And Klein Saucer, love Jimmy, says, uh, Mark Carlson is, uh, Gerald Spring wanted Klein Saucer back. Yep. <laughs> Aaron Haas says, maybe for a one-day retirement contract. Yeah, otherwise, no. Jesse Ball finally wraps up this section, says, good thing he's from Texas. So, interesting. Yeah, good thing he's from Texas. <laughs> a retirement contract, sure. A one-day thing, like, at the end. I hope he moves up the charts there with that running back thing, because he, he surprised me. He, he, he passed Dickerson. I didn't think he was going to pass Dickerson. I didn't think he'd hang around long enough. So we got through the uh, the whole annual State of the Vikings show section there. And a couple more coming up. NFL free agency guide, players to know, needs and more. There were no comments, unfortunately. But it was a cool article to read. Uh, Nick Foles is coming to Minnesota. No, I would take uh, the Atlanta running back to help out a little bit if need be. To help out, uh, replace uh, maybe Murray if Murray wants, his, wants to leave because he... I, who, who knows what's going to happen there. Redskins and Broncos reportedly working on a trade that would send Case Keenum to Washington. So it's pretty crazy when you think about things that come full, full circle. Cousins goes from Washington to Minnesota. Keenum ultimately winds up in Washington a year later. So weird, weird how that could turn out. It could happen that way. Remember Keenum killed the Washington Redskins uh, in 2017, the 13-3 and season. We went into Washington and kicked their butt a bit. But Keenum did have a couple of interceptions in that game. As well, Mark Carlson says this is crazy news, but I guess it wouldn't happen without that mysterious injury to Smith. Yeah, that really was a nasty injury, without a doubt. So I think that wraps up the uh, Facebook section. I'm, I should pass out the stars for this show, then the stars of the year, and then the Hall of Fame induction. Wrap the show up. Wrap the 20, 2018 and nineteen up here as we head into two thousand nineteen. I just want to make one hundred percent sure there were no actual. Uh, posts to the page <clears throat> just out of respect, because that's mean if, if I just ignore that. I know, I never mean to. It looks like there was one more. Yep, Mark Carlson on March the 9th, so very recent. Yep, good thing I checked this out. <clears throat> Sebastian also was saying, ah, love the AAF. Interested in the AAF? Now sponsored Alliance of American Football Podcast on Anchor. Yep, so Anchor FM, Alliance of American Football Podcast. So that is uh, Sebastian Barton. Sebastian Barton joining in. Yep, he is in the house there. Now he has created a Alliance of American Football podcast. I believe it's on Spreaker, isn't it? I, I'm going to check this out a little bit. Because, I mean, yeah, because I, I did hear it on there. But, uh, yep, oh, yeah, you can listen to it on Google Podcasts as well, obviously. That's the best place to go, I think. Google Podcast Alliance American Football Podcast with Sebastian Barton. Apparently it's doing pretty well, and I did listen to it, and it's pretty good. So I need to catch up on a couple episodes, though, unfortunately. I got behind. You know, my work schedule is crazy. And then I ultimately... Uh, 
<laughs> and then I ultimately got my own shows to do as well. So it's like, shoot, the only time I have is these. I got to record my shows half the time or some other stupid errands. But yeah, of course, when I'm doing errands, though, I should be downloading the Alliance of American Football Cup podcast as well. So I will be uh, jumping on board. Um, it's hard to get into it, but then again, it's not that bad. It's hard to get into it when you've been watching football all year. But then again, some of you guys are, you know, 12-month people. I have a hard time doing it, but hey, it's not the worst league ever. It's better than that stupid uh, XFL they had a couple they had back in twenty or nineteen ninety nine. It wasn't that good. This is this is better, and uh, I love that Salt Lake City has a team. That's kind of a team I like, I guess. <laughs> I don't know about Erickson though as a coach. Uh, that guy's pretty old, Dennis Erickson. God, he looked old. Holy crap! But it's cool. You actually got real coaches and everything from you know that have been in the NFL before. I believe Childress is helping out even. Out there, he was going to be the head coach of Atlanta, but he st- he stepped down at the last second. That was kind of a bummer. That would have been cool if uh, Childress was coaching again, but uh, that's how that goes. <sighs> Where was I? I just closed the damn thing. What the hell was that? But no, do check out Sebastian Barton's Alliance of American Football podcast. So I finally got to shout out to it, Sebastian, in case you're listening. So welcome on board the podcasting world once again. He was around for a while, the Purple Press Box, and then he stopped doing that. Got busy, got you know, got with a young lady, got married and all that. So good for him. Sebastian Barton, a Purple Mafia Hall of Famer. He did get inducted last season, first ballot. So there you go. <laughs> Mark Carlson, and then we'll get into all the awards for this show, the awards of the year, and then the all-time the Hall of Fame. New inductees will be jumping on board. There will be five this year. There will be five. I was thinking about four, but I added a fifth at the last second here. Just to, you know, you got to do it. You know, you got to do it. The guy's been loyal. He doesn't post much. A couple guys actually don't post much, but they've been around for many years. And they've been so loyal to this show ever since. So they've been listening all, to all of them. So you can't... Uh, you can't discount that. And then there's some others that are going to get in right away next year as well that deserve to get in, you know, ASAP. Just like uh, a certain guy last year that'll get in right away this year. Okay, or a certain couple guys, pardon me. Uh, Mark Carlson out of Iowa, who got in right away last year. Uh, he says, I don't know if any of the other Purple Mafia is watching the new football league or not. There it is, that AAF. Uh, he says, uh, Alliance of American Football. I see tonight's game featured on NFL Network has Matt Asiata running the ball for the Salt Lake Stallions. And you know what? That's my team. I like Salt Lake. I like their team colors. That's my team. If I'm going to adopt one team in the uh, AAF, it's going to be the Salt Lake Stallions. I like, I love, just imagine, I love that part of the country. I'm not a Mormon or anything, so don't think about that. <clears throat> but uh, I'm a Christian, not a Mormon. <laughs> but uh, yeah, nothing against anybody that might be a Mormon that's listening. Pardon me, just saying, just saying. So that's that's not why I like Utah. I like Utah because of the beautiful scenery and such. <clears throat> he said, I would love to uh, hear some up, some opinions from Purple Mafia on the new league, especially yours, Joey Wygen. My opinion is it's a similar game. I don't think it can make the mainstream, though. For me, I take issue over some rules, like there is no kickoff and there is some rule about how many defenders can blitz or something. However, it is entertaining and does feed the need in the immediate offseason skull. I pretty much agree with that. Um, I haven't followed it close enough yet to really generate like, oh, is this good or bad? But what I did see when I did see Salt Lake, unfortunately, they lost because they just could not get anything done. The common complaint is the quarterbacks just aren't that good. And, well, that's how the NFL is. You have a certain group, maybe 15, 20 guys that are good, and everyone else that just isn't. You know, the accuracy just isn't there. That's the one complaint I have because you're not going to get the top 20 quarterbacks in the world. 
to be in that league. That's the only complaint I have. Otherwise, it's it's not bad. You know, I I, I think it's nice. I think it's a nice place for guys to develop, guys that don't get enough playing time, a place for maybe uh, somebody like Kyle Sloter to develop. I mean, why not? He doesn't get to play ever, a third-string quarterback in the uh, NFL. But you know, but if you get to in the AAF, you might get to start, and we get to really see what he can do, some of that, that throwing arm and such. So... That's my opinion of it. It gives guys a chance, and maybe a couple guys will emerge. Remember Tommy Maddox, you know, in the, uh, was it the LA Galaxy? Or is that soccer? I, yeah, the LA Galaxy soccer. I forget what the Los Angeles team was called. It's only been 20 years, and it was only in the, it was only around once, but remember how good Tommy Maddox was? He was a pretty good player, and he ended up being good for the, uh, he ended up being pretty good for the, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers for an extended time there when he had to replace Cordell Stewart off and on there. Because Cordell Stewart got hurt a lot. So and, and Tommy Maddox is pretty good in the early 2000s for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it's something like that. Um, I like it. I don't want it to go away. Yes, it's a nice fix. It's something to watch. And it's not bad. It's really not bad. So I, I, I support. Thumb, thumbs up. Like if there's a thumbs up, thumbs down, swipe right, swipe left, swipe right, the, you know, like a thumbs up, I'll swipe right, so to speak, as they say. Uh, yes, thumbs up. Um, do I love it? Am I going to follow it religiously? Am I going to be standing in front of the TV going, ah! No. But is it something to watch? Yes. Is it an opportunity for players that probably deserve to play, like a Matt Asiata? Yes. Guys that won't get a chance to play as much in the NFL? Yes. So, yes, yes, yes. It checks. I check all the boxes. I will support the AAF. I will. I will not, I will not watch it religiously, but I will support the AAF. So that's my opinion on the AAF. There you go. There's my opinion there, and uh, others are welcome to jump on board as well. Gerald's ring clicking like, but no comment there. There, there's my like, or there's my support of it at the moment, Mark Carlson. So thank you. Gold star for this particular episode is going to go to Mark Carlson. Thank you very much for that. Uh, but then again, I mean, I, I'm going to share it with the two guys that called in, Mark Carlson. You know, because those guys just great callings. Uh, Mark Carlson, uh, Gerald String. And Dave, uh, I almost called him Dave Ryan, Dave Martin. You guys are just spectacular. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of this show. You're so helpful. You're great. You're just, you know, your strong opinions and fun conversation. All of you guys deserve all the respect in the world. And that's where every one of you is Purple Mafia Hall of Fame material. Uh, Silver Star for this episode. Well, I don't even know where to go anymore. <laughs> I had some comments. Uh, Dave Hickey will get the silver star for the episode. Very thought-provoking conversation in the uh, fan interaction segment. So he gets a silver star. And Cedric Paulding, great commentary as well, will be in the... Uh, yeah, he will get the bronze star, a silver lace bronze star for this particular episode. And he's a future Hall of Famer as well. So we'll, uh, we'll get him on board very soon as well. Deserves to get in very soon. Um, <laughs> so with that, let's go. Uh... It's time to pass out the star of the year and such. It is time to pass that out. A bit of debate back and forth. It's tough. It's never easy. It's never easy. It really isn't. Oh, it's hard. And you know what? There's certain people that could get a star every single year. And it's like you want to give other people a chance that also deserve to get in. You know what I mean? That's the thing to get the star of the year. Gold star, bronze star, silver star, whatever. That's the thing. That's what makes it hard. Please don't think I'm picking favorites. Please don't think I'm also... Don't think I'm just saying, oh, good job, and patting you on the head either. Because, you know, like, this guy maybe deserved it more. But I'm going to pat you on the head because it's your turn. No, I'm not doing that either. You deserve it as much as the other person. That's the whole point. You deserve it as much as the other person. As great as all of you are. So, 
Boy, oh boy, it's so freaking tough. It is so freaking tough. But the Bronze Star of the Year for 2018. Thought-provoking conversation always brought to this show. And a guy who's been around for a few years and has always been there. Sometimes he doesn't say much. Sometimes he says a lot here and there. Leland Albertson out of Iowa. You're going to get the Bronze Star for this year. What do you think of that? Um, And then two guys that absolutely carried the in-game threads this year. Carried. Are going to bring in the silver and the gold. Oh, boy. And a guy who, both of these guys are future Hall of Famers. I believe Leland will be as well. He's a future Hall of Famer as well. But uh, both of these guys are future Hall of Famers. The Silver Star of the Year Award is going to go to Colorado. It's Josh Mayor Henry. Spectacular season. And you could almost say it's gold-laced. It is that close. It is that close. It is that tough. And I'm not trying, again, to say it's this guy's turn or that guy's turn or it's this guy was better, this guy was better. No, it has nothing to do with who's better, who's this, who's that. I'm not picking favorites. I swear on the Holy Bible, I'm not picking favorites. That's why it's tough. So just <laughs> the fact that you guys are here, though, it is spectacular. You're in the top three of the whole year. Josh Mayer Henry will bring in a, a gold lace silver star for 2018. And the gold star winner out of, <laughs> well, yeah, the gold star winner for 2018 will be out of the same state that last year's gold star winner was. And that is South Dakota's Brett McCarthy. He will bring home the gold star for 2018 spectacular so thank you again so very much brett mccarthy it has been an awesome year josh mayor henry leland albertson unbelievable conversation mayor henry josh mayor henry and brett mccarthy you guys literally carried the end game threads this year uh others as did as well uh but you guys really stood out and i really appreciate the conversation again guys like mark carlson mad martin they could get stars of the year every single year gerald's ring without a doubt dave hickey without a doubt every single year but again uh, just there's so many of you that are so good. I want to recognize you. I want you to be recognized. So that's that's the important part. And now it's time for the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame induction for the 28th season, but we'll call it the 2019 class. That right there is a song of excellence, a song of greatness, and a song of champions. A song we dream we will hear one day when the Vince Lombardi Trophy is being brought to the stage with purple, gold, and white confetti coming from the sky. A song that will have us with tears coming down our cheeks one day. Tears of joy, tears of uh, just a release of 60 years of heartbreak, basically, is what it'll be at this point. 59, 60 years, same difference. So it is what it is. For those of you, though, luckily you won't have to wait 60 years to get into the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. Those of you today that are entering on board. And there's some of you that will be named next year that, are, that, that didn't get, uh, aren't in this second, but you will get in very, very quickly. A guy that waited last year, he's been on board since 2013. He has been a spectacular uh, follower of this show. 2012, 2013. Jumped on board out of Iowa, Dave Hickey. Congratulations, you are the first inductee of the 2019 class. Dave Hickey is a Purple Mafia Hall of Famer. Absolutely great. He's called in several times in the past. His commentary is fantastic. He brings a hell of a lot to the show, a lot of thought-provoking commentary and passion for the Minnesota Vikings out of Iowa. Thank you very much, Dave Hickey. We're going to stay with the same name here, a guy that has... 
had call-ins that will be legendary for the show forever. Legendary to this show for all time, and I hope he never stops calling in. He has just been unbelievable. A voice for radio. A guy from Northern Scotland. That's you, Mad Martin. Dave Martin has entered the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. What an enjoyable time it's been that he's been a part of this show from Twitter. Twitter first ballot Hall of Famer. Purple Mafia in on the ballot this year. (laughs) This was his first time on the ballot, and he's in big time. Uh, Dave Martin has entered the Hall of Fame for Purple Mafia, and I can't thank you enough for the amazing, amazing uh, commentary you have brought to this show. You're in and you're out. You are a gold star. You are a star of stars. Thank you again, Dave Martin. Uh, you guys are just, every one of you means so much to this show. Can't thank you enough for uh, the loyalty you've given. Speaking of loyalty, out of California, a guy who, he doesn't say a whole lot, but he's been a member of Purple Mafia Nation since 2009. Can you believe it? He's been listening to this show for many, many years. Doesn't say a whole lot, but he's been so loyal to the show for very long. Always been friendly. And always brings good commentary when he does bring it. And that is Sam Gupta out of California. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you very much for joining this uh, show so many years ago now. Gosh, 10 years ago. That's unbelievable. So you very much deserve to get in the Hall of Fame for Purple Mafia in 2019. Thank you again. A guy who is so consistent about commentary. A guy who has just been a big part of this show the past few years at there's just no way he can't get in. There's just no way he can't get in. Just like the guys above him just now uh, that I mentioned just now. No, nobody's above anybody but the guys I mentioned before. I'm, I'm so, I'm always walking on eggshells when I say things. So my apologies there if I said it uh, kind of funny. But out of South Dakota, Brett McCarthy, you are entering the 2019 Hall of Fame for Purple Mafia. You have just been a huge part of the show. The consistency, even when it's quiet, those quiet weeks, you can always count on Brett McCarthy. Just like you could always count on Brett Favre. And I know, Brett McCarthy. It's funny how you put that together. Brett Favre and Mike McCarthy. But no, I'm not trying to do that. Not trying to do that. But again, the consistency of Brett McCarthy to this show has just been unbelievable. And that alone gets you a Hall of Fame ballot and you are in the Hall of Fame of Purple Mafia. It's always so tough. There's one more person that's going to get in. Again, a person who doesn't comment a whole lot. He's also out of California. He's been just such a wonderful follower of the show for a long, long time. Very, very friendly person. He's called in a few times in the past. Just like the perfect call-in in a form of how it's just to the point, this and that. And obviously, those of you that call in, I mean, Dave Martin is just the best hour. I mean, like, unbelievable. Like, Michael Jordan of call-ins. It's just unbelievable. Um, but I love the way Malcolm did his calls as well. I mean, just, you know, there's certain style that just fit a podcast. Dave Martin, obviously, that fits a podcast in such a big way. Like, just an anchor to a show. And then you have uh, Malcolm also, who, you know, he's to the point, this and that, a friendly guy, also has a big passion for the show and for the Minnesota Vikings. And again, that would be Malcolm McSween out of Southern California. You are entering the 2019 Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. There will be four or five more that will definitely get in next year. I've got about two or three that it's like a guarantee they're going to get in. Um, loyalty alone, they're going to get in to the show. Loyalty, conversation. Uh, one of them, very similar to Brett McCarthy, will say he's going to get in next year. And uh, another guy who's been around for a while. He's lo- He loves this show, and he's been a part of the commentary. He doesn't comment a whole lot, but when he does comment, he says something very, very worthy to the show, very worth it, worth conversation. A good guy, good loyalty to this team for many years, so he'll get in next year as well. But um, I'm, I can't say the names. Some of you can guess a little bit, but um, 
Some of you from the south, some of you from this, some of you from there. So we'll be getting into that uh, in the future. But uh, congratulations to your 2019 Purple Mafia Hall of Fame class. Uh, Dave Hickey, Dave Martin, Sam Gupta, Brett McCarthy, and Malcolm McSween. Congratulations and thank you and God bless. Thank you so much for being a part of this show for an extended period of time. Your loyalty, your consistency especially Brett McCarthy. My goodness, the consistency. Dave Martin as well, though, extremely consistent on Twitter. Dave Hickey, also extremely consistent. But then Sam Gupta and Malcolm, those quiet, quiet voices that pop in every now and then, but they're always there. That's, in a lot of ways, that's like the backbone of the show. They're always there. Just like Dave Hickey, Dave Martin, and Brett McCarthy are the backbone of the show, voicing their opinions, which is so great. And they're always there. But then there's the other backbone, the silent the silent majority, so to speak. How a lot of you out there don't say much, but you're always there, and that's why you get in. Because I mean, at least I can kind of put a name and a face to you, uh, to you as well. So many out there that have never jumped on board. Maybe you've been listening to the show for six years, or you used to call in way back. There was a guy named Bryce years ago that called in. I, I forget what year that was, like 2012. Just a just a really nice guy, and then he disappeared. That was a bummer. Uh, many, many, many years ago, 2009, during that great Brett Favre season. Jason from Delta called in, I think, three times. I believe that's Delta, Iowa. And then he disappeared. So I hope he's still around out there. That's 10 years ago. Um, would love to hear from you again someday. That would be freaking cool. Um, there was a guy named Bryce. I don't know what happened to him. He, he said I was the go-to guy in this town when it came to like uh, Minnesota sports, which is just an absolute honor. Just a wonderful guy. Um, kind of reminded me of how, uh, Malcolm a little bit. So thanks again, guys, so much for what you've meant to this show. You mean a hell of a lot to me. And those of you that aren't in this second, you're, you're going to get in. Those of you that comment regularly, you're going to get in. You're going to get in. It's just, uh, you know, it's just a matter of I can't put 10 people in at once because that would kind of, you know, you want to make it, you want to make it more like special, I guess you could say, when it's a smaller group going in at a time. Because if you put them all in at once, then who's going in next year? You know what I mean? Oh, this guy's already in. Oh, shoot, there's nobody left. Oh, there's this new guy who commented once. Okay, he's in. You know, so you, you don't want to do it that way. You want to make, keep it special. And then when new people come in and they comment a lot, they'll eventually get in as well. So with that said, thanks again, guys. Uh, God bless you. It's been a wonderful show, a wonderful season, 11 years. There will be a 12th year for Purple Mafia. I don't see myself stepping away. God bless all of you. Thank you, Lord, for uh, health <laughs> for all of you, for myself as well. God willing, we'll be back for a 12th season. And, of course, I'll keep up with things. Free agency will be the next show. Uh, and then after that, the draft preview, which is always a ton of fun to do. Free agency absolutely will be the next show. Draft preview and then draft review. God, those shows usually just, boom, hit hit the, the numbers just explode. February is a very unkind month to Purple Mafia. That's partially why I wasn't in a huge rush to put this out. But also the schedule, admittedly, was a huge part of it. And I had other shows to do as well where the season's still going, obviously. As much as you might want to disagree with that, the Timberwolves season is still going, even though they're not looking so hot. Minnesota Wilds had an up and down year, but of course, again, a uh, couple trades, and you know, you got some youth and some guys that actually shoot the puck. They're playing a hell of a lot better. So, those of you that might be semi new to this show and haven't heard of Timberwolves Explosion or Brave the Wild, check those out. Minnesota Timberwolves and Minnesota Wild podcast, done by yours truly. Join on Bard. I out of form a network, a Paladino Live network, or something like that, because uh, unfortunately the sportsstuff.com has disappeared. Though I still post uh, via the sportsstuff.com on uh, uh, iTunes and all that, and that connects to everything else, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all that. 
But again, thanks again to all of you who have been so loyal to the show for so long. We'll talk to you soon. So with that, again, contact details before I step away. I mentioned the call-in line. I'll do it one more time very briefly. 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for approval mafia. Statement, shout-out, comment, question, and opine. Same thing. Click call now button on the Facebook page. We'll take you to the same place via Facebook Messenger. So it's free as long as you're on Wi-Fi or cellular data or whatever. As long as you don't get charged for your data. I'm thinking some of you do, some of you don't. Whatever it is, depending on your plan. And then the call, the uh, audio submission route is the highest recommended. Good quality stuff. Uh, just use the voice recording application on any smart device on the planet. Just use it. Record it. Save it. Send it to Paladino Live at Yahoo.com. Paladino Live at Yahoo.com. Matt Martin, I wouldn't be surprised. He must have a microphone and a uh, editing software like Audacity like I have. And that's more than welcome as well. Just save it. Send it to the same email. Everything will be in the show description. The Twitter account, Facebook page, and of course the email address for you to send it to. Which will be uh, very, very much appreciated. Before I step away also, if you want to help this show, please write a positive rating. For Purple Mafia on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. It's been a little while since the last one. I think there was one fairly recently, and I read it on the show a while ago. Kind of might have been a month or two ago. Let's see, huh? I don't see it now. Ah, uh, it was a while. Hmm. Pretty sure that was a while ago. Yeah, that's the newest one. About one year ago. Gosh. Sometimes it comes in a, a group of people, and then it just stops. So, somebody out there that may want to help this show few trolls many many years ago really brought the rating down and that didn't help so many many like 10 years ago there was a lot of trolls uh out there that uh back in the day i i had a cheaper microphone and i i don't know my presentation wasn't as good as it might be today so people are hard on you they give you a tough time and that's what they do they just want to troll the crap out of you and that's basically what happened there so with that said please give a positive rating and be greatly appreciated i'll give you a shout out and i guarantee you some form of a star on that particular show that I'm able to check it out and read it. Thanks again. We'll talk to you very soon for some free agent frenzies, and we'll see who adios is and who comes on board. Until then, take care, and God bless.